Oh boy, oh boy. This one is freaking crazy, guys. This, I mean, I this interview was so damn fun and probably our longest in a very long time. Oh, uh, without doubt and most definitely the single guest that has researched us more than we researched them like we were so caught off guard in this interview it was like hilarious it was amazing and of course we're talking about with the one and only john papsidera legendary casting director worked with christopher nolan like they're basically brothers i mean that's just what it is you'll hear it in the interview but i mean this guy we didn't even really touch the surface we touched like the big stuff but we didn't like dive deep into it because we just did not have enough time but this man is going to be coming back on on a future date so stay tuned for that i mean let's just talk about everything he's got going out right now suicide squad the flight attendant peacemaker i mean that's just to name a few ghostbusters afterlife paul rudd like that's just a little bit that's just a tiny little bit yeah and i'm guessing we're gonna have him back on real soon because rumor has it is his brother might have a new project coming, which we're sure he's going to cast. So, for you sure. know, I'm for sure going to talk about that one. Exactly, exactly. Well, that interview is later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 174 this week. Yes. We're super excited. We're super excited. Everything happening in Hollywood, you guys know we are talking about it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, guys, is there is there going to be a week where we don't talk about something major at Disney? Right. Like, Disney is just like, woo, we're going to lead every single week. It's just insane. As insane as the fact that we are one week away from our 175th fifth show yeah what i know right it feels like just yesterday we started this <laughs> half hour show at McAllister's back room like it was just crazy man it how was, did it ever work at a half hour half hour I, I don't even with know. like seven different people how did that happen <laughs> no one knows but man we found our rhythm and that's what it's all about you start something you make some mistakes you may have some hiccups but you find your rhythm eventually and that's what it's all about man it's all a learning process that's right but before we get this thing started we want to dial it back a little bit of course today that we are recording that we were putting out this show it is 9-11 we want to make a memorial statement because 20 years ago today the attack on the world trade center happened yeah uh i mean the worst attack on american soil ever the second attack on american soil uh after pearl harbor um it was devastating. It, it was devastating. The towers came down. Of course, there was a, the, the, the field in Pennsylvania where the heroes on the plane, let's roll, took that plane down before it could reach its target of the White House. Um, and the Pentagon was hit. Uh, just a lot of lives lost that day. But we want to, you know, thoughts and prayers are with obviously the families of everybody who died in the attacks. But that's not it, you guys. I mean, the first responders that ran into those collapsing buildings to try to rescue people, those families lost members too. Um, Those people gave up their lives trying to save other people. And then, of course, the war on terror that started afterwards. So many servicemen and women lost their lives defending the freedom of this country after the terrorist attack. So um, there's just so much loss based on that 9-11 agreed agreed and i mean of course it's being talked about all over today and i mean has been this over 
the past week. Uh, but yeah, it's just crazy. Everybody will remember where they were when this happened, and everybody has a story. Um, even if you weren't in New York City, you have like PTSD from this event, which is it's insane, man. It's it, super unfortunate. It really is. And we would be remiss not to mention the other four Americans who lost their lives on 9-11, but not 2001, 2012, when a uh, U.S. ambassador, two Navy SEALs, and a U.S. Uh, um, intel specialist lost their lives when the American embassy in Benghazi was attacked mm-hmm. on 9-11. Um, we want to remember those two um, because that was a significant 9-11 attack on U.S. also. So, yeah. Um, we don't want to forget those. No. Um, just It's a horrible date in American history, be it 2001, 2012. Americans lost their lives for senseless, ridiculous violence, and, and it's just – it's heartbreaking. It's it heartbreaking. Is, it is. And something else that's really heartbreaking is we lost a talented actor this past week, uh, Michael K. Williams. Yes. Everybody's been talking about it all week, all through the social media threads and on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Michael K. Williams, who most memorably portrayed Omar Litter, uh, Little in The Wire and Chalky in uh, Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire, has died at the early age of 54. The New York Police Department confirmed that the actor was found dead inside his Brooklyn residence er- uh, earlier this week, and um, apparently, what we've been seeing, there might have been some drug use going on. Yeah. Yeah, no official cause of death yet. So, but I guess yeah, the police, the Brooklyn police, are saying that there was drug paraphernalia found in the apartment and near the body. So um, they're on the hunt for the dealers, and uh, we don't know if that was the cause of death. Like I said, nothing official, but it would seem that way. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. It's very he, unfortunate. Like we talk about all the time, it's a very dark industry. Um, people get roped in very easily, especially when you are already connected to the streets, which, I mean, I don't know his past and what he was involved with before he became an epic all-star actor, but, I mean, being that close to it inside the entertainment industry, like, they're very much intertwined. Like, yeah. I mean, they run co-in-hand, hand-in-hand together, so it's super unfortunate. He did. He escaped that. He he was on the streets with gangs and, and, and realized that that was – he had to get the fuck up out of there, and he was able to escape that life and, and enter into the life. And, and so if it is that, it's sad that he was able to get out of it and make a run and then have this happen. It's just it's, – it's, it's horrible. Yeah. And um, it just – pay attention, guys, because I'm sure there were warning signs and, and – and, there, we have to pay attention to addiction and mental health and these type things because if not, this happens. And so I'm just, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. It is. Well, uh, it's t- enough of that sadness and uh, everything that has been in the first eight minutes of the show. Let's get into some exciting stuff. Yeah, let's get crazy. Uh, let's do it. Let's talk about Disney. Everybody knows we love them. Uh, besides their fearless leader, um, as expected, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings made a heroic showing at the box office, where it smashed the record for Labor Day opening with a four-day haul of ninety-four million dollars and posted the second biggest three-day debut of the pandemic year so far behind fellow marvel studios pick black widow Mm -hmm. shang chi brought in the domestic three-day total to uh 75 and a half million dollars from 
4,300 locations. Its global haul is at 131.6 million. Currently on pace easily to win the box office again this week because there's nothing really coming yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, Malignant, I saw, made like $2 million bucks on Friday. It's expected to only make five the whole weekend. Yeah. So James Wan want to, might want to stick with the superhero movies. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> just just saying. saying. So the real question is, did the better-than-expected box office of Shang-Chi keep Marvel Studios' next film, Eternals, locked into their planned release date? More important question, did it keep it exclusively in a theatrical release because remember they were thinking should we maybe put this one on disney plus like we did black widow well the answer's yes definitively yes eternals is going to stay exclusive to theaters but get this not just eternals apparently disney announced that all of its remaining films on the 2021 slate are going to get an exclusive 45-day window theatrical release before moving to any digital platform Now, that decision is a clear win for Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige, who both internally and externally has been saying from the get-go, Marvel films belong in theaters, not on, on digital platforms. So he's thrilled about the decision, and as soon as that decision was made, he announced uh, dates. He locked down dates for Marvel movies in 2024. He's like, okay, good. No more of this bullshit digital stuff. It's all theaters, and we're going to take these dates. So he was extremely happy. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean... And they put out this ridiculous statement saying, with the huge success of our summer movies at the box office, it only makes sense that we should, like, return all of our movies to the box office. Well, you should have fucking done that with Black Widow, first of all. And I'm just going to say it. With this decision, Scarlett Johansson and her lawyers have got to be fucking jumping up and down in joy and celebrating because this all but gives legitimacy and validates her claims in her lawsuit that had it gotten the 45-day exclusive window, it would have fucking creamed at the box office much bigger than it did. Be- I mean, look at look at all the rest. Free Guys, Shang-Chi, they're all killing it at the box office because they were exclusive. It's time to cut her the check, guys. You fucked up. Yeah, and, exactly. And this proves it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Exactly. I mean, if you prolong this thing and actually go to trial, it's not going to end well, no. I feel like. It's really not. I mean, there's so much evidence that sways her way. So I feel like either you settle or you're going to pay out even bigger bucks in actual court. And so. just settle, bro. We ran a poll about whether people thought Chappic was doing a good job or if Disney made a mistake. of the people said that Disney fucked up by making him CEO. Yeah. That should tell you everything about settle this now, move on, get past it. Because like Logan said, if you prolong this thing, you are just... I don't even know. It's bad. It's, it's bad. bad. Uh, well, some exciting news and a big cast coming to the Haunted Mansion reboot. And the latest cast members being attached are Rosario Dawson to join Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Haddish, but also uh, freaking Owen Wilson to join this thing. That will begin shooting next month. It's super exciting because... I mean, everybody is so interested to see how this reboot is going to do. And I think with this cast, I don't think they can fail, to no, be honest. No. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally down with all the cast members except for Tiffany Haddish. 
I'm just not a fan of Tiffany, but I'm really hoping that that can turn around and that she can kind of. I saw too she's playing Flojo, Florence mm-hmm. Griffith Joyner, so I guess she's going to try to take a, a serious turn at some point. Well, did you see the one that she has coming out with Oscar Isaac? Mm-mm. Oh man, it's super deep, like it's see? super like hardcore drama. So I mean, but t- to be fair. Personally, I haven't seen a lot of her movie content, and I mean, have you? Yeah, I, I and I, I just I haven't been a fan. But that's not to say maybe she's not a great dramatic actor. I'm just not a fan of her comedy. I, I don't I don't know. I just I haven't clicked with her yet. I'm sure she's wonderful, and I'm hoping that she does really well with the dramatic stuff. I mean, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. She's probably just. I mean, I'm sure she's got a huge fan base. I mean, we know she does. So, uh, Abigail Spencer. I know you're super pumped about this one, and I love old Abigail Spencer. Scotty from Suits, who doesn't love her? She played Megan Hunt on Grey's Anatomy, as you guys know. Well, she's returning to the ABC medical drama in a recurring role for its upcoming 18th and, we hope, final season. According to representatives from ABC, Spencer's Megan will first appear in the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy on September 30th, which is right around the corner, honestly. Spencer is one of several actors returning to Grey's this season. As we told you, Kate Walsh last week uh, as Addison is coming back. And Kate Burton as Ellis Grey. Uh, Ellen, I mean, I'm... <laughs> Katie. Words. What are words? Words as the mom. Yes. Uh, so, um, yes, I can't even. More coffee, please. Yeah, right. So I know that that's exciting. I just think that really they're hinting at with all these people coming back. It's got to be the final season. Right, and I mean, they released a teaser trailer for the season opener as well, and Abigail is in the first episode, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, old boy, her husband there, who also had a little thing with Meredith, come back as well, but I mean, he's in Virgin River right now. Uh, Yeah, and and maybe, maybe not. They had a little release of the the casting thing, and it said her and the son, and no mention Mm. of him. That makes sense. So yeah, so for the for the casting thing, at least in the casting, they didn't mention bringing him back. So what happened? <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Dancing with the Stars announced its lineup for its upcoming thirtieth season. Those vying for the Mirrorball Trophy are The Bachelor's Matt Smith, Olivia Jade, who is best known for her parents, Full House actress Lori Loughlin. Yeah, get it, guys. I mean. It's literally the child who is involved in the college scandal. Um, uh, How is she a star? How is she a star? Uh, Real Life or Real Housewives of Atlanta star Kenya Moore, Beverly Hills 90210 alumnus uh, Brian Austin Green, Spice Girls singer Mel C. Olympian, Shuni Lee, pro wrestler Mike The Miz, uh, talk show host Amanda Klutz, uh, Peloton instructor Cody Rigsby, The Office actress Mallory Harden, basketball star Imani Shepard, uh, Cobra Kai actor Martin Cove, and Blake. Ling Empire reality star Christine Cho, uh, singer Jimmy Allen, and between the super like YouTube star slash dance mom star uh, JoJo Siwa. So I mean, there's a lot of people that are pretty relevant right now that are going to be attached to Dancing with the Stars, which is kind of surprising because normally they have like one person that's relevant and then a person that hasn't been re- relevant in like two or three years. But so you know, I. I still don't think it's doing the best in the ratings, so it's going to be interesting to see how many more seasons ABC is going to give this thing. I'm putting max 
three to five. Three to five <laughs> more seasons, if that. If if the fans have their way, I don't even think it's going to see that. Yeah. Tom Bergeron announced apparently that he's doing something at NBC. He very cryptically said it. And the fans were like, oh, my God, we're so happy you're coming back to TV. We just want you back on dancing. And, and he's like, well, I'm sorry. That was two years ago. And I've, le- I've dropped the A and replaced it with an N. And I promise big things coming. So whatever that means. But if you're a big Tom Bergeron fan, NBC is apparently the place where he's headed. Check so. it out. Uh, Disney, no surprise here, is raising prices on Hulu's baseline video-on-demand streaming packages next month as the Mouse House seeks to push customers towards the three-way Disney bundle and Hulu's live TV packages. Hulu began notifying subscribers this week... um, that the price of Hulu's two on-demand plans, with ads and without commercials, will both increase by a dollar for both current and new subscribers. Hulu ads will increase from six ninety-nine to oh five ninety-nine. Sorry, to six ninety-nine per month. And Hulu with no ads is going to increase from eleven ninety-nine to twelve ninety-nine. Now the changes do not affect the pricing of the Disney Bundle, which will remain at thirteen ninety-nine a month, and that includes Hulu with ads, Disney Plus. And ESPN Plus. Now, I like that in this statement, they didn't try to hide what they were doing. They're mm-hmm. literally raising prices to try to get you to get the bundle. And that's smart. It I makes mean, sense. I mean, it's a good bundle and it's worth the money. Disney Plus alone is worth the $13.99 yeah, a month, to be yeah. honest with you. But I'm glad they did this and was also surprised before reading the article because I was like, what the fuck? They just raised the, the bundle like two months ago to the $13.99. Yeah. But I love that it's a marketing scheme. And I mean, that's what you have to do sometimes. But like I said, I'm okay with this decision because it's worth the money. I am too. And every, I mean, you know, if if you don't want to pay the extra dollar, just jump to the pack. I mean, the package. It's it's a better deal. It is. It really is. Uh, ESPN announced that it will be working with pop icon, super fashion phenomena, champagne poppy himself, Drake, throughout the entire <laughs> NFL season to curate music for select Monday night football games. According to the announcement, ESPN has collaborated with Drake to choose music that. Uh, escalates both the energy and the mood of the games Uh, the music will be a combination of drake's most recent releases potentially some classics as well as new music from other artists he identifies all which will run in the monday night football promotional spots live telecast and pre-game shows for 10 games this season starting this upcoming week so that's very exciting because like i said He's the most popular musician out there right now, so by no surprise, give the man more popularity. I mean, <laughs> so he deserves all the business that's coming to we him. We could have totally used some Drake music during that Thursday night game. That was a hell of a game between the Bucks and the Cowboys. I could have used a little pom pom yeah, right? That would have been badass. Exactly. And at the top of the show, J-Lo was talking about finding your rhythm. Well, Miss Rhythm Nation herself, Janet Jackson, dropped the first teaser for her upcoming Lifetime in AE documentary, Janet. Yeah. It's set to premiere January. This sounds really awesome, guys. The two-night, four-hour documentary follows Jackson's personal life and her 40-plus year career and will include never-before-seen home videos and archival footage. She also will detail her return to the world stage following the sudden break from music, her controversial Super Bowl appearance with JT, 
in 2004, the death of her brother Michael, and becoming a mother later in life. Janet also features commentary from family, friends, and admirers, including Mariah Carey, Missy Elliott, Tito Jackson, and Paula Abdul, who, by the way, was her choreographer, if you guys are unfamiliar with that. That's what really started her singing career, uh, among others. And the premiere coincides with the 40th anniversary of her self-titled debut album, which debuted in 1982, for anybody who couldn't figure out the math. There you go. There you go. It's very interesting because I've never really personally been like a huge listener to Janet Jackson. Nothing wrong with her. I just never did. Um, But I always feel bad for her because she always has like these multiple things following her throughout her whole career. Mm -hmm. Oh, Definitely. You're Michael's sister. Oh my gosh, let's talk about that. Oh, this thing that happened with Justin Timberlake during the Super Bowl. Let's happen about that. Let's talk about that. Oh, you're you became a mom at the age of fifty. Let's talk about that. Hey about hey, can we just talk about my music and like the positivity that I give the world? Like, you know. And you know what they don't talk nearly enough about? Her acting. Yeah. She's a phenomenal actress, guys. Way back to the 70s when she was itty-bitty, she was on Good Times, and she was literally playing a child that was being abused by her mother. Fucking burnt with irons and shit. Then she was on Different Strokes as, as the girlfriend and fucking Poetic Justice. Poetic with, Justice. Yeah, Tupac. With, with Tupac. I mean, she's a phenomenal actress. I'd really like to sing her, uh, see her swing back that way and do some more of that. I thought you were going to say you want to sing her a song. I no, was like, no. don't do it, bro. Don't do <laughs> no, it. No, I'm not going to sing her a song because i'm singing this song for you oh my no. goodness anyway. so funny i uh, had no to fox susan sarandon uh sarandon anna farrell and trace atkins country star trace atkins He's leaving all the lights on for you all right have been cast in the upcoming fox country music drama series monarch uh in the series texas truth teller and reigning king of country music albie ronan played by trace uh, along with an insanely talented but uh, tough-as-nails wife, Dottie Cuntrell Roman, who's played by Sarandon, have created a country music dynasty. Uh, but even though the Roman name is uh, symbolizes uh, authenticity and very foundation of their success, it's all a lie. Uh, and when their reign of country royalty is put in jeopardy, heir to the crown, Nicolette Nikki Roman, who's played by Farrell, uh, will stop at nothing to protect her family's legacy while ensuring her own quest for stardom. Uh, Monarch will debut mid-season uh, for Fox on January 30th, immediately after the NFC Championship game, with the show's second episode airing February 1st. This sounds very interesting, and I I don't I don't know if he's a good actor, so this is gonna be very interesting. Well, I'm just gonna call it. This is a complete and total ripoff of Nashville, mm. complete mm. and total about about the superstar uh, you know singer that was aging and threatened by the young up and comer that was trying to take her glory and take her spot. I mean, it's it sounds exactly fucking like it. I mean, I, I don't need I don't know what like just. Bring back Nashville. Yeah, I, I yeah. just I don't even know why you're gonna. I mean, at least do something fucking original. Yeah, I, I, it just I don't know. exactly in the time of reboots, yes. we all do the reboots. That's right. And speaking of, or at least revival, apparently Fox Entertainment president Michael Thorne confirmed that there are currently active creative discussions about bringing back classic Kiefer Sutherland fronted terrorism drama series Twenty Four. Mm. Ooh, but with a new take. 
Okay. I don't know how you do that, but okay. (laughs) Thorne's comments echo recent words from 24 executive producer Howard Gordon, who said in a recent interview that in a new take and a way, the series is always percolating. Gordon said he loves the character, but cautioned it's not official, sort of, unlike... I think all the pieces are coming together. We'll kind of let you know. What? Right. Okay, okay, fair enough. They're working on it, but they don't know, and they'll let us know when they know. Exactly. Whatever, man. Whatever. Uh, This next one, hopping over to the bunny. Uh, uh, Jason Momoa took to Instagram this week to reveal the new Aquaman suit for the upcoming superhero sequel, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. In addition to the classic Aquaman costume we seen in the first film, Momoa posted the first look at his character's so-called stealth suit. Yes. Uh, the skin-tight metallic suit features hints of dark blue in addition to gray detailing on his arms and thighs. Aquaman The Lost Kingdom is scheduled to release December 16th of 2022. The DC sequel was pitched to Warner Brothers by star Momoa during the filming of the first movie, which was released back in 2018. And I have to say... I'm not a fan. I'm just saying this is already a dark series. I love that they brighten things up a little bit, at least with the <laughs> fucking costumes. And then you're going to make it dark again. I'm just, uh. I don't know. I think this is supposed to be the movie version of his blue and white costume uh, when he briefly switched that, which looked badass in the comic books. But I don't see any. Where's the white? white? Well, that's yeah, what I'm that's saying. What, this is like underwater Batman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is what it looks like. It's but, not good. But I maybe we'll see the white when it like lights up or so i don't i don't know You're but giving i them too think much credit. i think that's what it's supposed to be is the version of that costume it's trash so i it's, don't know we'll it's see trash bring back the yellow and green hey it doesn't it, it didn't matter anyway because it was overshadowed quickly Very when quickly. warner brothers also released the first look at the matrix resurrections the fourth installment in the sci-fi film franchise sees the return of keanu reeves as neo and carrie ann moss as trinity though neither remembers each other or their pasts the nearly three minute long trailer scored by the way brilliantly scored to jefferson airplane's white rabbit yeah. features strike action sequences and teases Neo's transformation into his former self as a shot of blue pills spill into the sink. Mm. Now, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, speaking of Aquaman, right, uh, too, appears embodying a character who looks a lot like a younger version of Morpheus, uh, telling Neo it's time to fly before Mm. handing him a red pill that allows him to realize his reality is a facade. Mm. The Matrix Resurrections hits theaters and HBO Max uh, December 22nd. And by the way, he did confirm he is, in fact, a young Morpheus. There you go. So, there you go. We were all wondering. We all, I mean, I think Lawrence Fishburne put out an article about why he wasn't in it. I haven't read it yet, but yeah. so I have no idea. Um, there's so many questions from this trailer, <laughs> though. I mean, if so you many. guys have not seen it, like, I don't know, man. It's like pre-Matrix 1, kind of, but also post-Matrix 1 at the same time. So you have to watch it to see. Like he, like he said in the description, they don't remember any of that stuff. Neo thinks that it was all just a dream. So, yeah. But Neil Patrick Harris, is a psychiatrist, Love is it. brilliant. Love <laughs> it. I mean, you know, that I, I just, I'd watch it for that alone. Like, okay. Exactly, exactly. This one I'm kind of surprised about. Heading over to the next story. Furosia, is that what it is? Oh, uh, yep. Uh, George Miller's prequel to Mad Max Fury Road won't hit the screens until 2024. Mm. The hugely ambitious action film was originally scheduled for June 
23rd of 2023. Instead, it will hit the screen's Memorial Day weekend of 2024. The cast includes Anya Taylor-Joy, Chris Hemsworth, and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, <laughs> guy's everywhere. Everywhere, <laughs> man. He deserves it, too, because we, we watched him on the Get Down. Like, this guy is super talented. Hell yeah. Um, uh, Taylor Joy will take the role of the Emperor Fuerza, uh in the part played by memorable uh, Charlize Theron in Fury Road, which I don't know. I don't know why they're making another. I'm not a Mad Max fan. That should have went on my top five last week. I'm not a Mad <laughs> Max fan, so I mean, I just don't understand why we keep – and it goes back to why are we making so many universes out of stuff that doesn't need universes. Yeah, yeah. So these characters ah, – these characters don't deserve their own films. But I'm just saying. Tina Turner was badass in Thunderdome, though. I'm just going to say it, but I didn't like the movies either. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of them either. No. Um, <clears throat> Warner Brothers also announced that Salem's Lot, the studio's upcoming adaptation of Stephen King's best-selling novel about vampires, will open September 9th, 2022. Now, that one stars Elfrey Woodard, Lewis Pullman, Mackenzie Lee, Bill Camp, Spencer Treat Clark, and William Sadler. So, just in case you were wondering, they're flip-flopping them all around, so Salem's Lot is now coming in. They really are. Warner Brothers is staying busy, man. They're trying to stay on track as with theatrical and uh, HBO Max. Uh, well, Lewis Loosely, Bart has been cast in the new uh, Charmed 1 in the CW's hit reboot of Charmed, uh, starring Melanie Diaz, Sarah Jeffrey, Rupert Evans, and Jordan Donica. New showrunners Jeffrey Lieber and Nikki Reyna and Joey Falco have been revealed as Bart's character is an an artist with a wild, unpredictable love for life mm. and one-of-a-kind view of the world that serves her well in her art, which is her life's passion, obviously. Uh, she's fun, <laughs> uh, impulsive, strong-willed, and will bring brand new energy to the power of three. However, the three execs noted in a statement that they will not be unveiling her name, backstory, powers, or connection to Diaz and Jeffrey's character, Mel and Maggie, respectively, just yet. So they're trying to leave a little bit of mystery out there. Oh. But, I mean, so another one. I Maybe maybe it was just past my time. I never got into Charmed either. Were you into Charmed? I mean, total huge crush on Alyssa milano so yes so yes i mean <laughs> it makes sense yes yeah. and huge fan of holly marie combs so yeah i was a huge fan of charm there you go oh there you go uh and now in a story that surprises absolutely nobody hbo max has renewed the new gossip girl revival for a second season proclaiming record viewership over its first weekend on the platform the 12 episode first season has been broken up into two parts and its second six episodes roll out in november Using vague language typical of streaming services, HBO Max called Gossip Girl its best launch for a Max original drama series this year. In the renewal announcement, the renewal also touted Gossip Girl as a social media phenomenon. The series had 15 billion, billion with a B, total social impressions at yeah. the launch, and the series gained around 5.2 billion impressions from content inspired by the series on TikTok. That makes so, sense. I mean, when that thing dropped, it was literally the only thing we saw on our feeds. It was crazy, and it's super surprising because, like we said, 
Why is it happening? Is it necessary? But apparently it is necessary. Apparently a lot of people like it and, you know, good for them. And I'm maybe, glad they have more content. Maybe it'll spawn superstardom for the people on there like it did for the first one. I yeah. mean, Blake Lively and Leighton Meister like just blew up after being on that show. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? Very interesting. Uh, this next one, I'm very interested to see how it continues to move forward and what uh brian robbins is gonna do yeah. at viacom cbs this is a huge shock yeah uh jim giannopoulos is leaving paramount as well as chairman and ceo according to a report in the wall street journal like i said brian robbins is the head of viacom inc's nickelodeon kids tv empire which he built pretty well the past five years i believe uh we'll take no no, no he just took that over remember from like we reported that a couple weeks ago they just handed that to him oh. after after uh, Dan Schneider like did the whole exit. No, oh, well, he's been involved yeah, with he Paramount has been, since yes. like five years ago. Yeah. Um, we'll take over Giannopoulos' position as the head of Paramount Pictures. Uh, there had been rumors about Giannopoulos for some time, and the world, the world, the world was <laughs> it had to do with his emphasis on filmmaker relationships and his revisions for a theatrical release. Mm. Word was that Sherry Redstone wasn't thrilled with the move of Top Gun Maverick from November 19th to Memorial Day weekend of 2022 that we told you about last week and the Mission Impossible from Memorial Day to September 30th of 2022 that we also told you about last week. Robbins, who leadership views has bright and progressive executive uh, experience, will likely lead Paramount to greater emphasis on product for its streaming service. Mm. Basically, it sounds like he is uh, Redstone's lapdog. I mean, basically. I, I mean, mean <laughs> the, Jim's not going to do what I want him to do, so I'm going to put somebody else who will do what I want to do. Yeah, the guy has, like, progressed, like you said, for over five years quickly. This is his third promotion in, like, less than a year. Right. Like, boom, boom, boom. And it was clear. I mean, Sherry Redstone said she didn't like that that Giannopoulos wanted things all in the theaters. She didn't like that he moved the shit to a later point where he thought it would do better theatrically. And clearly, Robbins is on board for a shift in everything to Paramount Plus. So yeah, like you said, lapdog. Exactly. And that's I like Brian Robbins. I've been a fan of him ever since way back when he was an actor on yeah. Head of the Class. I mean, he Smallville. He was responsible for Smallville uh, with his partner, his producing partner. I mean, he's done a ton of great stuff but this is unfortunate I, I just i like giannopoulos what's really going to be is where's giannopoulos going to show up yeah exactly i wouldn't be surprised he's got a really good relationship with netflix so i wouldn't be surprised if he bounces over there if y'all watch the hollywood round table with uh studio heads man oh man they talk about how jim and the netflix head over there um not Ted. I forget who the other guy was that was there on that table. But yes, Scott talk, Stuber. They talked about how they work together a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he lands over there. Yeah, I, I mean, and that'd be great. That'd be great. I, I think so too. Um, Steve Howie, you guys know him from Shameless, has been cast in one of the lead roles in the CBS drama pilot based on the movie True Lies. We're finally getting some info about this. We've been talking about this for a while. Howie will star as Harry, the role played by in the film by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The character is described as a benign, play-it-safe, seemingly risk-average computer salesman and devoted family man, married with two kids. But in reality, much like in the movie, Harry's an undercover operative, a first-class spy 
spy working for a covert U.S. intelligence organization. Now, also like in the film, Harry's unfulfilled suburban wife is propelled into the life of danger and adventure when she's recruited to work alongside him to save the world as they try to revitalize their passionless marriage. The wife role, which was played by Jamie Lee Curtis in that fantastic little striptease dance, which one of the most memorable things in the movie, um, <laughs> has yet to be cast. So... I don't know who's going to get it, but it sounds like it's going to be Evan. They should just have it be Shinola. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're fantastic together on Shameless. They'd be great as this. Exactly. The chemistry's already there, yeah. so it only makes sense. And she she totally knows how to climb up on him and like do all the kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, go I mean. back and listen to that interview that we had her on the show. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, CBS also announced that Big Brother Celebrity Edition has been renewed for the third season, and it's going to premiere in February of 2022. Season 3 will once again be hosted by Julie Chen, Moonvez, um, remember Moonvez, Stand by you, man. and featured to be uh, announced group of celebrities living together in a Big Brother house where they will be filmed 24-7, which viewers can watch via the live feeds on Paramount Plus to compete for a grand prize. I... I don't understand the phenomena of this type of show. I was never a fan of like the real world or like Jersey Shore or any of the shows that were like reality TV just watching these people go out and do things. What? Why? Uh, I don't understand. But I mean it's kind of like a backhanded thing because I like the Kardashians so it's different. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know but I mean – Whatever. Well, then throw the Kardashians in the Big Brother house. Yeah. At least that would be more entertaining. That would be Then it would be, I guess, celebrity. Like, these, sometimes the people they put in here is like, uh, it's like Dancing with the Stars. It's like, really? Yeah. Lori Loughlin's daughter's also going to be in this one, too. <laughs> the other one. The She's other got one. that second daughter. Maybe the other one will be over here. Facts. Like, you know, they got to both do them. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, I am excited about this one, though. CBS has set a pilot production commitment for The Never Game, which stars Justin Harley. Because mm. we all know This Is Us is wrapping up, a definitive end, right? Nice. So they all got to start looking for the future. Well, uh, The Never Game is also going to be, he's also going to executive produce it alongside Ken Olin, who's the main director on This Is Us. So they're going to keep that relationship going. And Michael Cooney. Mm. The series, which is based on the 2019 novel of the same title by Jeffrey Deaver, features Hartley as a lone wolf survivalist named Coulter Shaw, who uses his expert tracking skills to help private citizens and law enforcement alike solve a number of mysteries. Meanwhile, he has to deal with his own fractured family. Oh. Anything with Justin Hartley is going to be good. Agreed. I mean, this guy should be – I don't understand how he's not winning as many Emmys as Sterling K. Like, like the whole – just they all deserve them. All of them. All of them Seriously. deserve them. and Milo and like all, just – Yeah. They're like, amazing. They are absolutely amazing. Uh, CBS also announced that Usher, Perinka, Chopra, Jonas, and Julianne Hoff will host The Activist. Uh, the show is a competition series that features six inspiring activists teamed with three high-profile public figures working together to bring meaningful change to one of the three uh, vitally important world causes health, education, and environment, while also giving every viewer the opportunity to be a part of the solution, which means donating. Um, this is – it's very interesting. It kind of reminds me of like a um, – <laughs> Big Brother meets 
a telethon, basically. I, I mean, at least it's original. Yeah. I, I'll give them that. At least it's an original idea. So, I mean. Exactly. I don't know. I, maybe one season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Super pumped about this one. As you guys know, Star Trek Day was the other day earlier this week, right? Well, during Star Trek Day, they had this huge, big conference, Star Trek conference, where Paramount announced basically everything Star Trek that was going on. Yes. And they announced that Picard has already been renewed for Season 3 on Paramount+. Plus. The news comes as start on Star Trek Day and ahead of the show's Season 2 debut, which starts in February. The 10-episode Season 2, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, will see Picard and his crewmates view a totalitarian future created by Q. Mm. And he must use the Borg Queen, which we all know that relationship with, with Picard and the Borg Queen, not so good. But he's going to use her anyway to leap back to 21st century Los Angeles, mm. like to our time right now, which is awesome, um, to make things right. Season 3 is expected to hit the streamer in early 2023. Now, if you guys saw, we were asking, like, what's your favorite Star Trek series? What's your thing? And mine, my movie is Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, which also was time travel back to the current day. Mm. So that's kind of interesting that they're going to do that storyline where they come back to the current day again. That's going to be awesome. That's really cool. And I mean, obviously, your second is Wrath of Khan. Um, yes. But, you know, like I tw- uh, tweeted on, uh, on social media, I mean, Lower Decks, obviously, because oh, yeah. I felt like this is a good introduction for myself, who hasn't really been like super into the Star Trek. And I mean, you guys know I love animation and adult comedy. But I'm, I'm excited to start this new venture. Like I said, I've watched the first two films. The latest one with Chris Pine uh, wasn't really paying attention, so I need to go back and rewatch those uh but like i said it's just another universe to get involved with and i really want to watch picard because i'm a huge sir fan Mm. uh, what's his name patrick stewart um so you know i'm excited i'm excited uh matt bomber is attached to star and executive produce a series adaptation of thomas malone's novel fellow travelers that is currently in development at showtime fellow travelers is described as a politically thriller a political thriller and epic story that unfolds in an era of mccarthyism Mm. and revolves around the age of aids it follows the interviewed lives of uh, romances of two very different men, Hawkins Hawk Fuller, who's played by Matt, and Tim Kovacs through the uh, purges, wars, protests, and plagues, overcoming obstacles in the world and in themselves. Mm. This is going to be deep as fuck. <clears throat> yeah. This is the beauty, though, of... I guess the streamers, right? Because you just come in, you film, you knock out all of the episodes at one time, right? Then you're able to film other things. Because as we know, he's a regular on Doom Patrol. So, I mean, you know, but this allows them to do that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah, man. And he, I, I love him, man. He's a great actor. He is. Um, okay, let's jump over to NBC Universal. Universal's upcoming film, Halloween Kills. Maybe maybe they didn't pay attention to the whole Warner Brothers thing that did not go over well because apparently Universal has decided that Halloween Kills will debut on Peacock on the same day as it's released in the theaters. Halloween Kills is scheduled to debut on October 15th and will be available to Peacock Premium subscribers at no extra fee. Mm. 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 I know. It's it's such a double-edged sword. Mm. It really is. Like, I understand you want the people who are still afraid and still weary about going out to the theaters to see your film. 
understandable. And who the fuck knows if theaters are going to ever shut down again. Hopefully not, but, you know, with Delta out there, so we're terrified. But at the same time, just look at HBO Max. Yes, it's a Band-Aid. That's all it is. And right now, there is no Band-Aid, especially October 15th. There's really no Band-Aid. The theatrical releases are still live and well, still out there booming. So just release it in the theater. I don't think this is a good idea. I thought it was a good idea when post or mid-pandemic when literally everything was shut down and you could not go to a theater. But this, this is, I think, idiotic. And even, even with that, right, because – like you said, they really what other choice did they have at that point? But they lost creators. They did. A ton of creators were pissed off and said they're just never gonna work with Warner Brothers again. We've got a story about that coming up. And now we're seeing it with Disney. The Russo brothers say they don't want to work with Marvel anymore because of the whole fiasco and, and like all this kind of stuff. Learn from that. You don't want to lose your creators because of these stupid decisions, man. I just think that's a bad idea. I agree. Uh, you, you next. Oh, well, former <laughs> Doctor Who star David Tennant is set to headline Hyde, a Ooh. drama series in development at the Peacock. Tennant is attached to star and executive produce alongside his wife, uh, Georgia Tennant. The story follows a disgraced journalist who stumbles upon a story that could resurrect his career. But he quickly learns that he's seen something that he shouldn't have, and now... The target is of an unknown adversary who uh, will do anything to silence him on the run as people around him go missing and or die. The serious accident has extraordinary side effects and he realizes that the monster's in the world and he may be one of them. Mm, so it's a Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Basically. If you didn't, if you didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm fine with that. We could use another Jekyll and Hyde. Why not? Hey, good news because of the success of Marvel's uh, Shang-Chi, obviously, and Black Widow. Sony has moved up Venom, Let There Be Carnage, two weeks to October 1st from its previous date of October 15th. The move comes, like I said, on the heels of the strong performance of fellow comic book films Shang-Chi and Black Widow um, from Marvel Studios. So... That's the good news, but I know you're pissed off because we also saw that it's like only an hour and a half. Literally 90 minutes. What the fuck, I guys? Know. Sony, I mean... you're not doing this shit right. Are you not paying attention to your other Marvel pro- or other Marvel properties that belong to Disney who are doing it right? I'm just fucking saying. You can't tell that story in an hour you and a half. You can't. We're so excited for this epic fucking battle and you an hour and a half, it's going to be so disappointing. Yeah. I am already I'm, – I'm dreading it. I'm excited and dreading it at the same time. <laughs> that sucks, man. Everybody's been waiting to see Carnage on the big screen for like ever, just like Deadpool. Everybody's waiting to see Deadpool on the big screen. But now you might ruin it. You might Howard the Duck that shit. I'm just saying. Oh. I'm just saying. Mm. I'm I'm putting that out there. I'm putting that out there. Uh, But with Jeopardy in a host vacuum following the botched search for a successor of the beloved Alex Trebek, Sony Pictures has locked down the host of its other hugely popular profited syndicated game show, Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak and Vanna White have signed to on to continue their hosting deal throughout the 2023-2024 season. As part of the deal, Sajak has added consulting producer to his responsibilities. Ooh. Give me more in my check, he says. <laughs> Give right. me more. That's right. Okay, Pat Sajak, man. He's been around forever. Really? Uh, okay, jump into Lionsgate with 
awesome fucking news. We reported about this a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, that this was a possibility that it might happen. Well, now it's confirmed. It's official. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which was canceled as a series last spring by NBC, will return as a Christmas-themed feature film streaming on the Roku channel this holiday season. Production on Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas will start in Vancouver this month, with Lionsgate remaining on board as the studio. All the cast members, Jane Levy, Skylar Austin, Alex Newell, John Clarence Stewart, Andrew Leeds, Alice Lee, Michael Thomas Grant, Kapal Talawalker, David St. Louis, Mary Steenburgen, and even Peter Gallagher, Bernadette Peters, are all returning. Story-wise, the film picks up exactly where it left off on Season 2. According to the official announcement, the film will stream for free on ad-supported Roku channel in the U.S. Along with the film, all 25 episodes of the series will also stream on Roku channel in the U.S. later this fall. It's the first Roku original film and also the first scripted project outside of the pool of shows that they got from Quibi. I am so excited about this, especially because a bunch of those people we named are our former guests. Yes. We love this show. We We love these people, and I could not be more happy that it's coming back because if you guys are fans like we are and you saw how it ended, you're like, no, 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 no. What the fuck? We need an explanation, and now we're going to get it. There's so much, man. There's so much. And I got to say, this is kind of off point, but kind of on the point at the same time. It's like... 30% 30% of the point. Um, <laughs> I watched, like, the Hunger Games, like, ad-supported, I think, on uh, Amazon Prime. And I gotta say, I honestly don't mind having that, like, little commercial breaks in the middle of the films. I don't know why. Maybe it's just, like, with being at home, you know you're more tempted to, like, get up and go to the bathroom or, like, look at your phone more often. But, like, with it being an ad-supported film, breaking it up like that, it gives you more reason to wait to get on your phone and go mm. to the bathroom. So, I mean, it's very interesting. I noticed that, like I said, when I was watching this. So, I yeah, just throwing my two cents out there about that. Very, I don't know. I don't oh, okay. Know. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, Omar Epps <laughs> and Michael Elay have teamed up for Lionsgate's upcoming thriller, The Devil You Know. Uh, the film follows Marcus Cohen's, uh, who's played by Omar, after a lifetime of trouble, finally has a chance to turn things around with the love and support of his family. But when Marcus discovers one of the three brothers might be involved in a home invasion, he finds himself not only at odds with his brothers, but also in the crosshairs of a cop who is played by Mike Ely, who is deeply involved with his last case before he retires. As Marcus tries to do the right thing by his family, he finds himself spiraling back into the dark place his family helped him overcome, Mm. but who's also put him there again. (laughs) Like, he's trying to help his family get out of the spiral, uh, but he's also coming out of a bad place, but then his family puts him back in the bad place. What? That's a lot freaking happening. No matter what, I feel like if you break the law, I don't care if you're my brother, you're my wife, you're my whatever, I'm going to have to turn you in. I'm not being an accessory. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just what's going to happen. If you hit a guy and, like, (sighs) fucking drove off, I'm telling on you. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm not an accessory. Have y'all watched Dead to Me? I would have told on that bitch. Linda Cardinelli is crazy, man. She's crazy. So he supports ads and supports law enforcement. It's true. We just learned two things. You're learning so much this week. (laughs) 
Now, jumping over to Netflix, and I'm telling you, we just talked about it with Roku, boy. Everybody is cleaning up and scoring on NBC's cancellation fuck-ups. Facts. Uh, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. 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 Fixing it. It's fixing it. Netflix and Warner Brothers Television have secured all the Manifest cast members for the upcoming supersized 20-episode fourth and final season of the Missing Plane drama. Series regulars Parveen Kaur, Luna Blaze, and Holly Taylor have closed deals to return for the new season, joining the already signed Josh Dallas, Melissa Roxburgh, J.R. Ramirez, who completed their negotiations on the eve of the actual announcement on 828. Um... Now, this is interesting. Additionally, Ty Doran, who guest starred as an older version of Kale, spoilers if you haven't caught up yet, uh, Cal Stone, is one of the big twists during the season three finale. He's actually joining the cast as a series regular mm. uh, for season four because he's taking over the role from young Cal. Um other spoiler alerts, you might have noticed a name was left off of there. That's because the mom died at the end of season three, and she is not coming back for season four. Really? Apparently, will not be resurrected any kind of way whatsoever. So, there you go. But, you know, hey, NBC, see, you fucked up. Everybody wants these shows. Zoe's Manifest, and everybody's scoring except you. I know, right? You could have saved them on the Peacock, but you didn't. Exactly, exactly. It's also very interesting to have Netflix work with Warner Brothers, who, I mean, is HBO, which is interesting because Netflix modeled their whole thing after HBO. So it's like, you know, it's awesome how it's streaming war. <laughs> I know, I'm going like so you, off. You are tangents. getting really deep. I just love how it's <laughs> streaming wars, but it's also like they help each other. I think that's so nice. Like, it gets me in my feels. It's like old-fashioned war where, like, you were gentlemen about it. Yeah, right? right? Like, like, I mean, I'm just it's saying. It's so funny. Handshake, duel, 10 steps, bang. Oh, that sucks. That's right. Um, oh. Netflix has Alexander debuted. Hamilton. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, this next one I'm super excited about because Adam McKay's. I love what he's doing right now. Oh, he's yeah. He's making some great content. Still haven't seen Vice, but I heard it's bad. Uh, other than that one, though, let's let's just talk about the new Everybody's allowed one misstep. And that was it. It's true. It's true. Uh, Netflix debut its first trailer for Adam McKay's dark comedy, Don't Look Up. And in the trailer, we see Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, so many freaking people, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, like blah, 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 so many. Uh, But anyway, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) as two low-level astronomers warn civilization about a giant asteroid that looks to take out the Earth. Now, the film features a star subcast, like I said, oh, with Tyler Perry, Timothy Chumlet, uh, Ariana Grande, Kate Blanchett, so many freaking people. Yes. Uh, it will have a limited run in theaters, which is fantastic. Maybe Jim can help him with that when he goes over to Netflix. On December 10th, before landing on Netflix, December 24th. So maybe they're trying to do some things with this one. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, from what I understand, and like I said, we've got a story coming up, Netflix is uh, guaranteeing theatrical releases for certain films. So, I mean, uh, grant that one was only two weeks yeah. instead of 45 days, but hey, I mean, that's better than anything, right? Yeah. Uh, Netflix also unveiled the first trailer for Antoine Fuqua's directed thriller The Guilty, starring our guy Jake Gyllenhaal as a troubled police detective turned 911 operator. The Guilty takes place over the course of a single morning in the dispatch center where Gyllenhaal's Joe Baylor works. 
But, as the trailer makes abundantly clear, this is no regular workday. Instead of fielding typical calls, Joe finds himself racing to save Emily, a mysterious woman who calls 911 under the guise of speaking to her child, as she's palpably afraid of the man she's with. Mm. Um, this sounds like that Halle Berry film. <laughs> the, yeah, you, you know, with Abigail Breslin. But uh, I'm going to go with it because it's Antoine Fuqua and Jake Gyllenhaal. So I think it's going to be badass anyway. Right. So, you know, go you for know. it. Uh, Netflix has signed the TikTok star Addison Rae to a multi-picture deal. Uh, Rae recently made her acting debut uh, with starring in a role in Netflix's He's All That, a gender-swapped <laughs> remake of the 1999 high school rom-com She's All That. Rae has more than 83.3 million TikTok followers, making her the third most popular person on the platform. She has 39.2 million followers on Instagram and close to 5 million followers on Twitter. The 20-year-old Louisiana native also released her first single, Obsessed, back in March. So, she's getting shit done with the situation around her. I mean, definitely brought up in social media, obviously. That's how she knows how to handle it so well. And, I mean, taking it to her advantage. And, I mean, nobody can knock her hustle for that. No, and, I mean, she's one of those rare people that we talk about. It doesn't happen every time, right? Most of the time it does not work. But she's one of those rare exceptions where it has worked. She is talented beyond the the social media stuff and is able to capitalize on it. So good for her. Um, Cinderella, the one-time Sony musical, (laughs) which they passed off, uh, starring Camila Cabello, was picked up by Amazon Prime. It debuted, as you guys know, over the four-day Labor Day weekend, notching 1.1 million U.S. households. Amazon is celebrating Cinderella as the number one most-watched video-on-demand movie over the holiday stretch, saying that Cinderella delivered the strongest results as the biggest musical of 2021, second only to Disney's Hamilton in 2020 just say the biggest musical of 2021 why do you have to bring up hamilton which was last year right it makes that makes no sense like just say it was the biggest musical of 2021 exactly come on amazon stop with that shady shit like what are you doing uh this next one's very interesting and kind of sucks because i was kind of excited about it because we're huge donald glover fans and phoebe waller bridge is everywhere right now making hits after hits but remember we told you about Mr. and Mrs. Smith series adaptation coming to Amazon with both of them helping each other write it. And, but apparently creative differences happened and Glover decided to part ways. But it does say that they are still friends and are still amicable and they both mutually decided to part ways. And sometimes that just happens and that's okay. It's amazing to be able to have that conversation because that's very important you don't need to put your feelings in every single thing so i'll it sucks but at the same time i love that they were cordial about it yeah i mean and he's moving he's moving on he's staying on as executive producer he's still gonna star in it and she'll i'm sure end up somewhere because she's awesome exactly so um I'm super pumped about this one because I love this guy. Suits alum Patrick J. Adams is set for a key recurring role opposite Abby Jacobson in Amazon's A League of Their Own. Adams will play Charlie, Carson's handsome Midwestern husband, on his way home soon from fighting overseas during World War II. He's eager to return to a life back at home with his wife. I love this because I'm a huge fan of him. And uh, good that they're going to incorporate that, you know, returning hero stuff into the storyline like they did in the film because I think that's important. Agreed, man. Agreed. Hey, guys. Bieber's having a documentary come out on Amazon. (laughs) That's it. 
That's it. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Jump into Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about this one, though, because this is gaining a lot of momentum. I've seen a lot of people talk about the first season, especially now with Dave Bautista being with it. I don't Was he, Dave Bautista a part of the first season? I don't know. I don't know either, but, I mean, he's all over the trailer for the second one, so I'm super pumped. And it also explains why these two guys are working so well together and trying to build their own thing as well. C, a post-apocalyptic drama headlined by Jason Momoa, has set a new ratings benchmark for Apple TV in its sophomore season. C, which also stars Dave Bautista and Alfre Woodard, uh, has become Apple TV's most-watched returning drama series in the first two weeks after its release. Season 2 viewership over the first two weeks is set to be up nearly 30% over the same period of Season 1. In the U.S., C, recorded likely soon, uh, will be eclipsed by the return of Apple's signature show and drama series slash the winning Emmy series, The Morning Show, whose second season premieres uh, September 17th. And that's probably why it didn't get as much recognition for the season one, because they dropped the same time. Yeah, so, I agreed. Mean, the Morning Show is so damn good, though. And that trailer for The Morning Show season two looks freaking oh, epic. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Okay, now, like we teased at the top of the show, right? We had a big story leading into our guest, right, Christopher Nolan, and the perils of making stupid decisions and losing creators, right? Okay, well, uh, it only made sense that we end the week's industry news with this segment, a story about Christopher Nolan, since our guest this week it has cast almost every one of Nolan's films. <laughs> They're family. They're brothers. They are. Just listen to the interview coming up. According to sources, Christopher Nolan has had discussions with several major studios about his next film, which would be a return to the history of the Second World War after Dunkirk, but this time set in America and revolving around J. Robert Oppenheimer, as you guys know, developed the atom bomb or helped develop the atom bomb. Wow. Now, while Nolan's last few films were at Warner Brothers, the director was not pleased when Warner Media made the decision to put the entire 2021 slate on HBO Max, and he made it clear that he would never work with them again, and he was interested in some degree of having theatrical exclusivity on all of his films. Now, the bidders that are currently trying to get this one can assume that that means that deal for that will have to include theatrical release. Yeah. Uh, the Oppenheimer Project would also carry uh, the requirement. Nolan's film would carry a substantial budget. It's believed to be well over $100 million, which could make it less attractive for some of the smaller studios um, because it's a drama aimed at adults. But it just goes to show you, he's shopping it everywhere but Warner Brothers. That's what happens, man. That's what happens when, especially for like, Tenet was like their blockbuster coming out of the gate of the pandemic. So, I mean, I'm sure he was not happy at all with it being placed on HBO Max. But, I mean, you know, everybody is valued to their own opinion and how they feel about things. And he is the definition of a filmmaker so he needs to see his shit up on the big screen which makes sense he is an amazing creative um and you know i mean especially if there is behind the scenes talks of this not happening or nobody informing him about it because he's one of their biggest creatives at yeah. warner brothers or at least was behind like clint eastwood obviously but you know it, it just happens it happens That's, i mean be amicable like donald glover and phoebe Yep. It's, it just is what it is. It is. 
But now it is time for the one and only John Papsidera coming yes. on the show. We're super excited for this interview because, I mean, like we said at the top of the show before getting into it, he did his research on us <laughs> so freaking much. And, I mean, we literally could have talked to this guy for the whole two hours of the whole show. I mean, seriously, he made J-Lo cry. He yeah. reintroduced the world to Jasper. Um, this guy's awesome. I he just, is. I can't even imagine. Like, it was one of the most fun interviews we've had in a really long time. I agree, man. I agree. All the up-and-comers are going to love this one, and you're going to know. I mean, we showed it in a uh, social media promo, but you're going to know what drove him to start his own company, and that was fear. It's different for every single person. Fear of being on the street and not being able to pay your, pay your bills. And sometimes that drives people so much to fucking make some great shit. Indeed. Indeed, man. Indeed. Well, y'all are going to love this interview. Here he is. John Papsidero, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you tonight? I'm really good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. We are super pumped because some of the stuff that you have cast, my friend, uh, we're both like huge geeks, and so we're fanboying for sure. <laughs> uh, we we may have a little more of my career than I do. <laughs> well, with one of them, we may have a little debate going on, so that'll get fun. That'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> Um, but what we like to do first is kind of start off and giving a nice introduction to the fans and to the listeners out there. And so, um, how did you get started in the industry as a casting director? Was that something that was like that always the goal or were, was acting maybe first something on the forefront or how did it all swing around to get you where you are now? Yeah. Um, it's a long rambling story. You sure, you wanna, you sure, <laughs> sure. We love long rambling stories. Okay. Fantastic. Oh, well, let's put everybody to sleep in the first five minutes. Um, so yes, I went to, uh, I wanted to be an actor. I went to undergraduate school, um, at Florida state and, got a BFA in, in acting. Then I went to graduate school at uh, Circle in the Square in New York mm -hmm. um, and studied there. And um, I got out and I went to my first theater was never a problem. Theater I loved and, you know, um, and it wasn't a talent. I got out and I went to my first commercial audition mm. that I remember. And it was the takeoff on Top Gun. That's how long ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Second, not the new Top Gun. <laughs> not Maverick. Okay. Um, I sat in this cockpit and it was for like Diet Pepsi or something. I sat in this cockpit and there was like six cameras around me and stuff. And I remember walking out and thinking, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, I, I thought, and, and I know what it is now in hindsight, I look at that and go, I didn't have the confidence to sit in front of a camera right. and allow it to observe me, uh -huh. you know? Um, uh, and so I thought, now what do I do? <laughs> so I always worked in restaurants since I was like 13 and, and worked my way through schools in, in, in restaurants. And so at the time I happened to be um, working at a restaurant of a celebrity chef that kind of brought California cuisine to New York, uh -huh. Jonathan Waxman's restaurant in mm. New York. And Jonathan offered me the opportunity to manage the restaurant that I ended up running multiple restaurants of Jonathan's. I moved to, um, I opened a restaurant in London for him. Wow. Uh, I then came back and moved to Los Angeles and ran restaurants for other celebrity chefs that I knew, like Susan Feniger, Mary Sue Milliken, and I opened Campanile for oh, wow. Mark uh, Peel, who, God love him, just passed away, mm -hmm. and Nancy Silverton. 
And um, and during that, I thought, what am I doing? Like, at the end of the day, it is. <laughs> I had felt like I'd walked away from my dream of right. being an actor and being in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to figure out how to get back to that. Because at the end of the day, even though I love restaurants and loved my association with them, and I own a restaurant now, um, it's clearing coffee cups. I mean, that's that's sure. the job yeah. when you're a GM. It comes down to that at some point. So anyway, I had my best friend in college was working in casting uh, and he who was also an actor. And he said, you should come and talk to my boss, who was Marsha Kleinman, who, God bless her soul, uh -huh. uh, is gone now. But she was like the queen of MOWs back in the day. Mm. And I went and sat to, and talked to Marsha. And she said, I think it might be something that you really love. And what I ended up figuring out, again, a little bit in hindsight, is that it blended for me um, interaction with actors, which I loved and was lifeblood, right. um, still kind of interpreting characters, you know, and a sense of business that always came somewhat easy to me. So it was a combination of all those things, of creativity yeah. and business that um, really I thought was, you know, kind of interesting. So Marcia said, you should meet two people. Uh, one was David Rubin, who was now the Academy president. Yeah. Um, and David said, you sing great. Marcia said great things about you, but I just hired somebody. Her name's Debbie Zane. And, you know, who now is, a, you know, a, a huge <laughs> casting director. Yeah. And, uh, amazing. Her own right. And um, and she said you should meet Stanley Sobel, who was who ran the Mark Taper Forum uh -huh. uh, and was the cast casting director there. He offered me an internship. Two weeks later, they offered me a position as an assistant, mm. and so I did that. And that's kind of how my career turned from kind of the celebrity chef world, running restaurants, into being uh, a casting director. And because of my friends in the business, you make so little money starting out. Right. And because of those casting directors that I worked with that allowed me to leave early on a Friday and go manage a restaurant on Friday night, mm. and then I worked Saturday, Sunday, and Monday nights uh, running restaurants, um, I was able to do that, you know, seven days a week for seven years yeah. until I finally got to a place in casting where I was an associate and um, and then stopped being involved in restaurants. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, a few things I can take away from that because, I mean, there's <laughs> so much. There's so much to dissect. But, yeah. I mean – while chasing your dream, you still have your day hustle going on. You keep right, yeah. you kept your head yeah. your head down and kept moving yeah. forward, which I think a lot of people need to learn how to do because it's not going to happen overnight. Rarely does yeah. that ever happen. It's like less than one yeah. percent that that happens. So that is great for the up and comers to hear. And also, and it's true. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're true. fine. Like you know, it's also kind of like I see people now, and even you know, people in my office that. Um, you know, may or may not struggle, want more money and whatever. Uh -huh. but right. That same drive of, oh, I'm going to bartend on right. or I'm going to do this doesn't exist. Uh -uh. And, you know, I think I think on some level, if I can say my parents gave me anything or taught me anything, it was a, a work ethic. You right. Know? Um, much to my, you know, um, uh, advantage and disadvantage, mm -hmm. if you ask my wife sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, but I am, you know, yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, it does take hard work and persistence, mm -hmm. you know. Well, 
And the other thing, the the, the thing that jumped out of me is, and I, I want to get a T-shirt of this, you know, Mr. DeMille, I'm not ready for my close-up. Um, yeah. <laughs> knowing, because you also have to know that, right? You have to know this isn't the path that I'm meant to go on. You've got to be smart enough to be able to walk away from it and figure a different way, right? Because a lot of yeah. people will hang too long and say, yeah. no, this is my dream. I can do this. I've got to do it. So you've got to be capable of going – okay, maybe this path isn't where I'm going, but I can go somewhere else, right? Yeah, I mean, th- having a sense of self, you know, and right. what you are capable of and not capable of. And um, and who knows? I mean, you know, maybe if I had stuck to it and been a little bit more willing to, um, I'll tell you this, I, I did get an offer for a, a non-equity um, touring uh, after I got out of school, uh-huh. non-equity uh, touring show of um, to do Shakespeare and rep. Uh. And they were doing three different shows and blah, blah, blah. And it was like $300 a week. And you traveled around in a van and you, you know, <laughs> shared a room with the other people. And, right. and I just thought, you know what? There's no way. I mean, how do you keep your apartment in New York? Right. That? Right. One. Yeah. Number two, I'm not big on just eating rice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought, lastly, I thought, you know what? I am going to be stuck with the guy playing Falstaff as my, you know, fucking roommate. I'm not doing it. Yeah. No, no, no. So, you know, it is a little bit of my own creature comforts mm-hmm, right. that also led me away. I wasn't willing to starve mm-hmm. for my art, you know, in, right. in that way. And, um, and I, I think lastly, too, you know, the idea I taught a class um, remotely as an adjunct professor at Florida State. Uh, now it's maybe three years ago, four mm-hmm. years ago, for acting for the camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I said to my students, you have to be really aware of what your competition is coming out. You know, right. and at this point, you know, I was looking at the girls in the class and going, look, you're a 20, a young 20 year old girl or mid 20, 20 uh, years old. You're going up against the Jennifer Lawrence's of the world yeah. and the Emma Stone's of the world. Those are your competition. Yeah. You know, that, that is reality. Not right out of the gate, but that's the g- generation you're in. Right. Can you compete? I literally looked at myself and I thought, what am I going to play? I'm going to be somebody's best friend. Right. right. Somebody like, you know, the stuff I did in soap operas was like, I was the bartender. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that really what I want to do? Right. And so for me, that answer was no, I want to be in the business, but I'll find another path into it and do something else. That's fantastic to hear because a lot of people need to look in the mirror. They need to see who they are and what they could be cast are as. Yeah. Are you a leading man or a leading woman yep. or are you the best friend and are you okay with being the best friend and never Absolutely. going forward towards that? So that's really yeah. great to hear. So after yeah. years of years of grinding it out and working for other people, then yeah. you started your own casting company, Automatic Sweat. How, yeah. what gave you the confidence to make that leap? Because I mean, with like making so many connections, working with other people, now you're doing it by yourself and gathering up your own crew. What gave you that confidence to do that? Uh, it, you know, it's funny. Friends of mine, and particularly my friend, um, uh, John Brace, who mm-hmm. uh, is a casting director and was the one that introduced me initially to the casting director that I went and met with. Um, he's always said to me, you know, you're a hustler, like you can talk to people and you like to schmooze, you know, <laughs> and none of that is actually, none of that is actually true. Yeah. <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, is that it's fear that drew, that drove me, mm. you know, 
So it was fear of like, am I going to pay my bills? Am I going to have a life? Can I live in this place? Can I do that? Like, that's what motivated me to pick up a phone and make calls. Right. I don't like doing that. And I don't, I don't, I like, I like my work to speak for itself. Not like, oh, somebody's friend is interested in a friend. Like, I didn't, I didn't rely on that kind of network. Mm -hmm. um, so when I went out on my own, my um, partnership ended with the casting director, Mindy Marin, that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we just had a different idea of what that was going to be. Our partnership was going to be. Right. And, um, and so I decided at that point, it, it wasn't, you know, our path wasn't to work together. Right. And so I went out on my own, but I was terrified. I had, I was probably never more broke in my life. Uh -huh. And, um, and, you know, I took the big leap because I had to on some level. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I have a lot of people to thank for that. I have a lot of, you know, it happened right after I did Austin Powers, uh -huh. um, the original Austin Powers. And so the Todd's, uh, Suzanne and Jen Todd were big um, supporters and I owe them uh, an un uh, undying debt uh, to help me. And they introduced me to Chris Nolan and that's how I did Memento. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, yes, I had worked on, really good projects and clear and present danger and stuff that I did with Mindy mm -hmm. um, uh, really helped me get mm -hmm. known out there. But at the end of the day, it was a leap of faith and fear <laughs> hand in hand. And, um, and I just started from the, from scratch, you know? Yeah. Whew. Man, you know, though that I, I love that because one of my favorite sayings is leap in the net will appear. Right. Yeah. At some point, you just have to believe in your talent, believe in your ability and say, I'm doing it. I got to leap and trust that it's going to happen. Right. And and yeah. I, so I love people that have the courage to do that, because I think a lot of people walk away. They're not willing to make that leap. And then yeah. it, it's what could have been. Right. So, yeah. it, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm that type of guy that I don't want to live the rest of my life saying what could have been. I want to yeah. know that I tried. And if I failed, great. But at least I tried. You know, yeah. I don't I don't have anything to regret down the line. And so and we completely understand the partnership thing, man. <laughs> Myself, I've, 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 I've had until I found this guy, man. I, you know, it, there was people just didn't understand the vision. They didn't understand what I was trying to do, where I was trying to go. Until this guy came, and then, then it just clicked. And then, you know, it, so that you, again, it goes back to you've got to be smart enough to know, right? This isn't yeah. kind of where I'm going. This isn't what I'm trying to do. I got to, I got to do something else. And so, kudos to that. Yeah, and you got to be realistic about it. Yeah, you know what I mean? like we all have dreams you know yep. it's funny i was i was just thinking about this i you know i used to think things like well when i have my first tuxedo that'll be <laughs> me i own my first tuxedo that's right that'll mean i've really made it right or when i own my first ed ruche piece of art that will mean that i've really right and you know and those things really change we all have those dreams sure but you also have to be realistic enough to look at yourself and go is this gonna do i think this will pan out and make right. me happy you yep. know? Yep. That's great. I mean, a lot of people need to hear that because, yeah. I mean, they think they're chasing something that they want, they desire so bad, but then realize once they get it, 
it wasn't worth it in the end because yeah. they had sacrificed so much. So it's all about trying to figure out who you are as a person first before figuring out what you want. It's kind of coincide hand in hand, but you know. And, and it is kind of antithetical. It, it goes against what, you know, um, film and television by and large, but mm-hmm. goes sure. against what teach you in academia. Right. You know, and, you know, and, and God love them. The training is fantastic mm-hmm. at most places. And, you know, it gives people a foothold, but it's the exact opposite of what your real life experiences that's right exactly you are not going to be playing uh you know if you're 25 and getting you know out of college and going into uh, acting career you're not going to be playing 75 year old men (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know not everybody can play jasper in michael sydney hey now (laughs) that's right that's how it all started wait 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 for it ready i'm gonna is she a Mexican? <laughs> hey, man, that, that's it. That was the one line to start him right there. Look, <laughs> thank, look thank we do you. our <laughs> research, but this is the first time anyone's done their research wow. on us. That's hilarious. Yeah, I love that, man. Thank you. All right, good shout out. Good shout out. All right, so we get asked this a lot also, and so I, I'm just curious now. That's a fantastic name for the company. Where did that come from? Huh. Uh, a homeless man said it to me. Oh. <laughs> There's always a great and- story. Yeah. When I, uh, when I made that leap, um, one of my best friends now in, in life, uh, they owned, they occupied the little bungalow next to Mindy and I. Yeah, okay. um, and when I, when I went out on my own, they had already moved. And Gary Ward, my friend, who's a brilliant artist and an executive producer and is in the commercial space, said to me, well, why don't you just have your, just move in here with us? So they, for like almost three or four years, allowed me to stay in their film, their company, which was called Crash Films, right. um, and run my office out of there, which was such a lifeline and Absolutely. A, um, a blessing, you know, to be around your best friends all day and be able to house your company. So they were really instrumental in helping me. And there was a guy that used to hang out that would in Santa Monica, um, uh, whose name was Tiger Man. Oh. And he would oh. do some odd stuff around. He would do, so he would, you know, do some slow movement on, sure. uh, you know, the promenade <laughs> and do shit like that. And he once said, life ain't nothing but an automatic sweat. Oh. And I thought, well, come on, truer Boom. words never spoken. <laughs> so, um, so that's where it came from. Most people think it's like, oh, you thought that, you know, actors break out in a sweat immediately. <laughs> when they that just happened to fit into it. Right, um, right. Uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I, I owe that to Tiger Man. Love I stole that. that from I love, I love that. it. Shout out to Tiger Man. man. That's yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, obviously, as you can tell, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, the one and only Christopher Nolan, one of my mm, favorite directors yes. and creatives of all time. And we got our little Dark Knight right back here on <laughs> set. Oh, I see that. Yeah. That's right, man. So, of course, That's we right. have to talk to about it. Appreciating value at some point. Yes, yes. exactly. Exactly. So, like you said, that's how you got the introduction. Was it like right out of the gate when you met uh, Christopher that he was like, hey, I got this thing in the works and I want to bring you along? Or how far no. along in the progression did that go? You know, because Chris had at that point, Chris and his wife, Emma, his producer, had done a film for Chris's first film following yeah. in the UK. But he had not really done anything in the U.S. And this was his first film. And so, no, Jen and Suzanne just introduced me to them. Like, oh, we want to use John. He did Austin Powers with us. Yeah. We met and Chris was like, great. Um, And, you know, (laughs) one of the, I have to say, was one of the, 
Right. You might regret that now, but um, uh, it was one of the easiest films, I have to say, to cast because Chris was gracious enough at that time, either in not knowing any better or <laughs> or trusting me somehow. Uh-huh. He said to me, bring in the, the best people, bring me your favorite actors. And it's what I did. And that's who he chose. And that was that. It was it was incredibly quick and kind of streamlined. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. And, and, and you would think not, right? You would think, no, there's no way that had to be difficult to land those people, right? right. Had to get, <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it was quick and easy. <laughs> it was quick and easy in, in so far as, you know, people that I really wanted to be in the movie responded to the script. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I had to read the script three times <laughs> to even have an idea of what was oh, going shit. on. And because I'd read it and go, wait a minute, I just read that and go back again. Right. Right. Because of the the structure of the film, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I met Chris and Jonah, his brother at that point, and Emma. And you know, knock on wood, I have been blessed to um, you know call them family and friends and uh, and collaborators for eighteen years now, something like that. Oh, yeah, that's wow. amazing. And uh, before we started recording, we told you about our little debate that him and I have going oh, yeah. on. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> with me being the younger generation, with him being yes. the little bit older generation, I'll <laughs> give him that. I'll give him that. Just a few months, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's always saying Michael Keaton, the definitive Batman. But my Batman is the one and only Christian Bale. And I, I mean, I bless you for that, sir. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> what is your um, opinion? I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> well, of yeah. course. I mean, you know, you have to do it, yeah, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, you know, look, I think the films that Chris made, you know, I mean, look, it, it helped re ignite this an entire genre yeah of film. absolutely um and the tone of those movies mm-hmm. were much more like the comic books to me i yep. you know i can appreciate what those earlier batman versions were mm-hmm. but silliness doesn't go that far <laughs> yeah with me. hey hey I, okay i i agree when, when schumacher got a hold of it it was a it, yeah. it was over right i yeah. think if burton yeah, had yeah, been yeah. allowed to continue his dark version maybe but yeah i i totally agree i will say though ledger yeah unmatched by far uh, even morgan freeman is lucius like, like i mean i thought that was brilliant casting i, I honestly yeah. I, I thought that was just the, the fantastic because he's such an integral part of bruce's life here comes my yeah. comic geek right but but yeah. so that was critical right you've got to yeah. find that guy who's believable in that role because this yeah. is the guy who's basically saying okay playboy i'm gonna give you all your stuff and you're gonna go be a bat right and he's got to yeah. be believable and, and so and, believable, yeah right. and who's not more believable than Morgan Freeman, right? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, hard to imagine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, you know, that was a really, you know, so many years ago now, but it was a really, um, you know, all the processes with Chris are really fun. I mean, mm-hmm. not not in like hooting, hollering, and, you know, right. like, it was just the gas, but it's both creatively stimulating, mm. mentally stimulating, and, um, and challenging. You know, mm-hmm. I think... Um, unlike a lot of other directors or, or films that I've done and television shows, Chris, it's about figuring out, you know, I always say 99.9% of what's on that page when I read the script for the first time, mm-hmm. and it's usually pretty early on mm-hmm. um, in the process, it's exactly what the film is. 
Yeah. There's no editing. Yeah. I mean, there's no like, oh, I'm changing this. I'm taking right. out the section. So for Chris, I think, you know, the movie is all already in his head. Right. So now the, the, the question and the challenge for me is how do I find the exact right puzzle piece to drop mm. into place that makes sense in the film that's already in his head? Mm. That's, ooh, that's, that's the, you know, and I, I don't, I, I can't speak because he's one of your favorite directors. He's one of my favorite directors. But I think the reason is it, for me, He's he's old school. This guy's a filmmaker, right? Oh, yeah. Like he yeah. still wants to do gigantic. He, he wants to do the, the. He doesn't want to CGI it, right? Let let's do miniatures or let's do full scale. Let's make this stuff real, right? And yeah. like you said, it, it goes from his mind to the page to the to uh, you know check the gate. It's cut, and there's yeah. no. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to edit that. That's old school filmmaking, right? And Chris is one of the only directors that I work with that is always, always ahead of schedule yeah <laughs> there we exactly go <laughs> because of that exact reason right he knows exactly what he needs in his mind he gets it and he's done yeah and move on yep um and you know he's not searching for the creativity that somebody's going to bring to something mm-hmm. he wants them to you know perform what he's already envisioned right right mm. and i mean i just have to say because heath ledger was one of my all-time favorite actors so this is yeah. my introduction to him but then i went back and watched like ned kelly a knight's tale mm. 10 things basically spanning all over his career so i appreciate yeah. you and chris for completely introducing me to him and it was because of the dark knight that i wanted to get involved in filmmaking and pursue I my read passion that. i read that in your bio about you know heath was the inspiration which yeah. Which is yes. really, really kind and and um, uh, appropriate in the in the in the sense that Keith was that talented. He was yeah, absolutely, um, but uh, but is such a compliment and is so cool to hear Thank that somebody you. you know actually was inspired by that. Yeah, yes. I mean without doubt, without of course, doubt. of course. And I mean, yeah. other than that, because there's this one recently came out pre-pandemic just barely though just barely that really touched both of us immensely and that is honey boy oh, the shia yeah. labeouf film oh my gosh. honey boy yeah. this was yeah. an absolute gem i feel like a diamond in the rough that not enough people saw this one should have yeah, won right. the oscar for the uh best screenplay i believe it was nominated for yeah. um but how did the casting go with that were you like hand in hand with shia the whole time or how did that go well, you know it's funny um <laughs> It's funny because back going reverse years, I put Shia in um, in Dumb and Dumberer. <laughs> yeah, no longer appears on his resume. Yeah, wow, no longer appears anywhere in his life. And he spent most of that movie in a mascot outfit, which I don't think he ever, yeah. he ever you know, uh, uh, recovered from and or you know forgave me for but is <laughs> it in between i would talk to his business his manager and say oh tell shia i said hi and mm-hmm. you know when i met shia for the first time he came in and sat with me with his mom mm. and i mean just a special human being right. his mom was sweet and we sat and chatted for a long time and you know this is maybe a detriment of mine but i once i know people and or work with them i think i consider them friends mm-hmm. sure. on whatever level that is so for all these years, I'm like, oh, tell Shia, I said hi, blah, 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 you know, whatever it was. When the process started on Honey Boy, <laughs> Shia showed up at my office to read with Lucas and, you know, read with people. Right. And he walked in the door and I went, Shia, hey, man, how are you? And he he could have looked through me. He could have looked at my feet. No fucking clue. No clue of like, 
this long-term friendship. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is so, hilarious. No, it was, you know, um, it was, he was nice. Oh yeah. Hey, Hey, how you doing? Man? Yeah. Right. And then he went about his business. So it was not always, you know, that. Right. Um, uh, but, um, but, you know, such a creative soul, such a, a guy that was committed to that film and to mm-hmm. those characters in, you know, I mean, Shy was rehearsing eight hours a day in a yep. motel room mm. months before they started shooting. Yeah. I, so, believe that. I mean, you know, that level of commitment. And then, you know, he brought the other guys along with him to do that. Um, it was a, it was a, um, it was a very um, intense mm. kind of process, but also, um, can I, th- what's the word? Careful. Mm. Everybody knew that it was a special project. Yeah. And so they wanted to get it exactly right, right. as best we could. Right. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, and I think she did an uh, amazing job with that film. It's a, it's a really, it is a, a gem of a movie, I think. Yeah. And, and, uh... I, you know, I'll tell you, I, I wasn't familiar with Shia with the whole even Stevens and Disney days, right? No. The first time I saw well, him, and and no. because you said this and it just sparked for me because you said, you know, right away you knew something special. This guy's yeah. got something, right? Yeah. Well, I saw him in, um, remember Project Greenlight back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. the first introduction I had for him when he was in the Battle of Shaker Heights and, and I saw sure. that and I was like... Yeah. Jesus, this kid is unreal. This kid's got some something special, some talent yeah. there. If somebody can catch that, that's going to be huge, right? And yeah. he just blew me away in that film. And I was like, wow. So, it's yeah, really I get interesting it. Because I had that same feeling. I mean, you have that a lot of times, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I was lucky enough to cast Charlize in her first film. And, you know, I mean, there are moments when, and I think that's the most rewarding thing for me in my career, is that when you realize you know, plenty of people will ask, oh, what's the worst audition or what's this or what's that? Mm-hmm. The thing that stays with me is when I feel like I'm in the presence of an artist. Mm, yeah, I even think about that and I get chills. And so it's those moments when you sit there and it's funny, you mentioned Honey Boy, Lucas Hedges, uh, I had the same feeling with. Mm. Uh, his manager had called me and this was long before this and long, it was be, right before, right after he had wrapped that. Um, he had wrapped the the movie. Um, the, the, I'm gonna forget the name of that film. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, this is his first film. I'll look it up because it's gonna drive drive me sure. crazy. Um, Consult the Bible, IMDb Pro. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I had met Lucas, and I remember saying to his manager, um, "He is a really special." Uh, at Manchester by the Sea. There you there go. There it is. There you go. Yeah. Really special human being. Um, the wherewithal to sit when you're 17 years old and have a conversation like I had with Lucas yeah. is just extraordinary. Mm. And oh, those yeah. are the moments that you go, God, I am so lucky and blessed to get to do what I do. Yes, you know? definitely. And I mean, speaking of that, that brings up a next question that I'm always just very curious about. How do you find undiscovered talent? I mean, especially now in the days of social media, do you look to see if people are making skits or how does that go about? <laughs> yes, I look for skits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that exact thing. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what? It is um, a lot of people do it all different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the basic answer for me is you have to be open to the process. Yeah. 
you know, it's not my movie. It's not my idea. That's right. Everybody thinks they're a casting director. Yeah. Everybody's got an idea. Yeah. And, you know, I think the danger is when you become a casting director and buy your own ego, you know, believe your own ego and kind of wall yourself off from the process, mm-hmm. you know, it's about saying yes. It's about saying yes to meeting people. It's mm. about saying yes to look at films. It's about saying yes to doing research. It's all those kinds of things about listening to what uh, what other somebody else is in a film and you hear about it. It's about being open to that process. Mm. Um, for me, I think is is the answer because things come at you from all over the place, mm-hmm. right? You know, and especially now you know, video, you know, clips, audition tapes. I mean, all kinds of things come at you um, and you just got to remain open to it to find, you know, the gold. So okay, so let let's talk about that then, because we we we've talked about this with numerous guests on the show, acting, um, and 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 different people behind the camera, below the line, but social media and the impact that it's had on the game and and you're seeing people come from social media and and enter into the the game of television and film and everything as a casting director what is your thought on that what's your process do you even look at that is that important for you um when a director comes to you and says hey this person wow they're just booming over there is that even for you how do what, talk about that yeah, i mean honestly it's a very small piece of it you know, I mean, even if you go down those rabbit holes to yeah. find those people, right? Um, you know, I'd say one in a thousand times do they deliver and or show up and does it end up happening? Right. It's very rarely in my experience. Right. You know, it's much more likely that I get introduced to somebody new by an agent that signs somebody there or a manager that, you know, calls me and says, you should really meet this person or they, or I watch something and see somebody and go, who was that in that? And then look them up. It's more of that than it is really. No. I mean, I, I have a very mixed feeling about social media. Uh-huh. I, I'm not on it. I mean, my gallery is on it. I'm not on it. Um, you know, it could be the death of civilization as we know. It. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, but you know, I you know, I know you, uh, Dustin likes politics. Let me not get into politics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, no, no. Hey, anytime you want to chat politics, we we can that's, go. That's for the oh, next dude. show. That's for the <laughs> next. Show. I love this guy. I love how much you researched us. Yeah. that's fantastic. I, I mean, I really do. Um, but yeah, you know, we talk about that all the time. It's a double-edged sword, right? Like yeah. you said, it yeah. could be the death of civilization. It also is a great promotional tool for if you are on oh, something and you yeah. you can interact with your fans and 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 build that base, right? So yeah. so it. I guess it all comes down to like anything in society, how it's used, right? Could be could be very bad. It could be very good. Yep. How do you use that power or platform? That's right. You know what I mean? And and not in a not in a holier than thou way. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that it's got to be used for the greater good of civilization (laughs) or society, but um, but what you do with it and how you conduct yourself. That's you know that is. I don't know, key to being taken seriously or right. not in that crossover move, mm-hmm. you know? Yep, completely agree. I'm much more apt and interested in, in musicians becoming actors and, yeah. you know, rather than, oh, you did a TikTok dance. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, I mean, 
that brings up this question. What yeah. musician turned actor do you think is the best? Because we, we have one person in mind that we really enjoy. Uh, that's a tough question. Right? <laughs> I really think of the best because in my job, at least the way I look at it, uh-huh. is that the one thing, one thing I do love about it is that from the day I meet an actor to the day I drop dead, I can be a fan of that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can think they are talented and I can think they are uh, inspiring and, and, and skillful and all those things. And it's one thing that I really love, like commerce doesn't really interact for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You're either right for the job or you're not right. You either get the you the role or you don't, but it doesn't change my feelings about you, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, people will say, well, who's your favorite actor? Well, I have to have somebody that's really right for something and then 15 or 50 other people that can do it also. <laughs> right. So right. narrow it down to one person and say, that's the only person. I don't think that makes me a good casting director. Mm. So I try and steer out of that. Even reading scripts, people will say, well, who'd you think of? Well, I thought of 50 people because <laughs> I knew I was going to sit and talk to you about it. Right. You know, I didn't think of one person. Right. Um, so the best actor, I mean, look, I would have, nah, that's a tough one. Share with me who you think it is. Maybe that, who you guys. Uh, we we really enjoy Justin Timberlake's work, man. I mean, he, I, I love yeah, him in front of the I camera. I was talking about Justin today on a project. <laughs> Yeah, and he's a really good actor. He, he really is. He really is. I mean, I sit there and go, "Did you watch Black Man, Black Snake Moan? Right, he's mm. fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I Social thought he Network, he was great. I think Justin's a really talented guy all the way around. Yep, agreed, agreed. You know who I, mean, I, I might have to say Harry Styles because I cast Harry. Yeah, Harry Styles. And Dunkirk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah, you know, speaking of your love of Heath. That is the thing I think both Chris and I responded to with the process with Harry uh-huh. for um, for Dunkirk. Yeah. In the back of our minds, at least for me, I won't speak for Chris, there was a Heath quality oh. to Harry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I can see that. And you just felt it. Yeah. There was something raw and talent and, and energy-wise that was very reminiscent of Heath for yeah. me. Yeah. Totally see Oof. that. You know, one I've always kind of wanted to see in front of the camera, take on, a, mm-hmm. you know, some act that Rob Thomas, Matchbox 20. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Rob lead. Thomas. Yeah, I, sure. You I, know, I know a lot of people, you know, go on about Adam uh, Levine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, which is kind of like based in, you know, looks and stuff. I mean, I, look, I think Billy Joe Shaver, I don't know if you guys even know Billy Joe yeah, Shaver. Yeah, yeah. Billy Joe Shaver, God love him. We lost him last year. Yeah amazing in uh in stuff that he did as an actor yeah i got to meet uh dwight yoakam's a brilliant fucking actor absolutely and he's in cry macho is he not it, I, i'm pretty sure he's in, he's he's in, in the new macho, eastwood film i think be. yeah 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 he might be um but uh but i look at those guys and go well they they just bring their life experience yeah yeah you know to that and you know i i got to meet Billy Joe after a concert through Dwight, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and Billy Billy Joe said to me, Hey, yeah, you're a casting director. Yeah, I like doing that, man. Just it's easy. It's Whoa. easy. Time out. Yeah. I was like, I just cracked up. I mean, you know, <laughs> those kinds of characters are are few and far in between. Sure. Right. Know? That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, I want to bring it to a recent one, especially one yeah. that kind of just like struck lightning in a bottle, basically, in my opinion. And that's the flight attendant. Mm. This one, I mean, I think 
I love it. Absolutely love yeah. it, especially coming out the gate with HBO Max. Nobody really knew what to expect with HBO Max's original yeah. content, um, but I absolutely love it. I love Kaylee. She's amazing, and I love it because the only thing I knew her from was obviously Big Bang. So yeah. to see her completely kind of shift a little bit into this more dramatic I think was absolutely brilliant. And again, that's more kudos to you, man, because you put the right people in the right places. Well, you know, look, I mean, you know, Kaylee um... – I consider her a dear friend now, not the kind of like, oh, I met them and now they're a friend. Right. This is a true friend. Like she's an amazing, amazing human being. Yeah. Um, in in uh, and beyond just being an, a, a fantastic actress. I'd known her over the years. She was always willing to come in and read for stuff. Mm. And, you know, and and I always respect that in the process, you know. Um, there's a long story that I could tell you about Anne Hathaway and, and, uh, Catwoman, but I won't bore you, but, um, uh, you know, Kayla would come in and read for stuff. And I think people were confused and sold her short because they only knew her from big bang theory. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. It was always fantastic when she came in and read for me and, and, you know, and auditioned for stuff. And so when she had this and developed it, you know, she signed the book and developed the project herself when I got to meet on it, one of the most fun meetings I had just because her energy and her kindness in the room was so effusive. Mm. Um, and, um, and that's what the process has been, you know, so I couldn't be happier for that team collectively, right? Because, um, you know, I think it's, um, it's contagious, you know, the passion and enthusiasm that they all have for that material and for walking that line of tone, which is so hard to do Mm -hmm. um, and get right. And I think they did a brilliant job. So I'm really, I'm thrilled for all of them and its success. We're in the middle of doing the second season of The Flight Attendant now. And, um, and, you know, the party continues. I think we have an amazing cast going in to the second season and I'm really excited for them to get going. Yeah. I remember her initially um, with, with John Ritter on, what was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, 10 Rules About Dating My Teenage Daughter. Yeah. I think that, yeah, yeah. you know, and the dramatic pieces sometimes in, in those moments between her and John, right? I, that's where I always kind of was like, I think she's a much better actress than people give her credit for. She's not just this blonde bimbo, right? Yeah, and and I think, all. you know, um, yeah. she is very Marilyn-esque kind of a quality, right? Can like, can yeah. pull off the ditzy blonde and go into character whenever she needs to, but she's actually really smart and really driven yeah somebody brought up goldie hawn to me yeah goldie hawn yeah to uh to kaylee which kate would probably not be happy to hear but (laughs) um uh but i i agree with that you know kaylee's got an incredible comedic and quick wit right Mm -hmm. and yet she is a really fine actress dramatic actress as well yeah and you know once you then add all the great human being stuff that she is and her love of animals and and you know putting her money where her mouth is and all those things uh, I, I can't say enough about her. Mm. She's a, an amazing person. Yes, I completely agree. And I mean, we could have you on for like two more hours talking about <laughs> everything hours. you did because yeah, you're absolutely amazing. Uh, I yeah. mean, we didn't even touch on like um, the new Ghostbusters or oh Peacemaker or anything Peacemaker, like that. Yeah. But when these Peacemaker. things are released, we are definitely going to have to have you back on the show Suicide to talk about them. There's a lot of things. Army of the Dead. There's a yeah. lot of things to talk about, fellas. I know. Yeah. It's so much. Woo. It's so much much but we know you're a busy guy and you know we're busy people so postpone we're postponing it for the next (laughs) time yes hanger is what you're telling exactly (laughs) exactly it's a little tease for the next time but i'm just so joyed and so thrilled that you came on the show man i mean this was an absolutely phenomenal
little conversation. And what we like to do at the very end of each interview is have our guests leave a little piece of advice yeah. for the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? Yeah, look, I think, you know, it is a, it's a tough industry. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it is, um, it's, I, it, my wife just reminded me this the other day, you know, we were talking about big transformations in the industry over time. And, you know, she said, well, remember you used to get like hard copy submissions, not online submissions, right, like right. resumes, which I was always fearful and, or, um, can, I considered it to be very, um, uh, I worried about actors coming to be an intern in my office mm-hmm. because of the sea of thousands upon thousands of mails, you know, pieces of mail that we would get with submissions. Right. right. I would know that would just be overwhelming and crushing to actors to look at the amount of the volume. Um, and so, look, I think that it comes down to me, for me, if I could give them anything, it would be confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, it separates people when they're in front of a camera. It separates people when they come in a room. Um, And, you know, it's like we touched on earlier, you know, knowing yourself is probably much more advantageous than anything else. You know, knowing your strengths and weaknesses and um, and giving yourself the confidence to kind of walk in a room and immediately spark something in other people yes. because that's what happens. You know yes, what I mean? When, when somebody walks in the room, it's probably 10 to 15 seconds. Uh, there's a puppy. There's a dog. <laughs> Here's Peanut. This is our that's dog. Peanut. Yep. Yeah. That's Peanut. Yep. Peanut. Hi, Peanut. Look over there. Look over there. Um, you know, in, in those first few seconds, people know whether or not I want to work with them. Mm-hmm. I right. like this person. They're smart, they're together, they're not a pain in the ass. All those things are, you know, compressed into the first few seconds of meeting people. That's right. So I would say confidence and make smart choices. Mm. Don't show up unprepared. Don't be uninformed. You know, knowledge is power. That's right. So, you know, um, the more you do your homework, the more you're prepared and believe in yourself, the the rest is you know to the is up to the gods you know yeah. the, the the chips land where they may absolutely but that's as much as you can do and then the rest of it is faith Man, you know that's you know belief I lo- I, that's the key word for me belief right it yeah. goes to like what you said with confidence you have to believe when you walk into that room you belong in that room because if you don't believe that they're never going to believe they're that they're never going to believe so, it so so i love sure. that that that's fantastic advice and, and it doesn't i think mean it's false sense of confidence it doesn't mean right. cockiness it doesn't mean being you know if i'm difficult they'll think i'm a real artist right. no it means about being a human being and look yes. one of the toughest things to do is to walk into the room and I have such empathy for actors and expose your soul day yeah. after day after day after day. Mm. Um, that is it's soul crushing work. So I, um, you know, and I feel my job is to create a space where they're able to do that. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I would just say confidence and choices and information and allow the rest to be, you know, uh, up to, up to heaven. Oh, so good so good i mean i mean 
I got emotional a few times when we were talking about Heath. I got emotional a little bit. So I just really thank you for, I mean, just letting us in a little bit on that process and how all that went down and just the raw talent that the amazing man was. So we really appreciate that. And like I said, we appreciate you for taking your time out a little bit to get a little crazy with us on the podcast. (laughs) And yes, now you have our contact info. Anytime you want to come back on. Please just shoot us an email. Even if you want to talk about industry news, we have an industry news segment. We have a top five segment. Last week, it was top five beloved franchises and or films that everyone loved, but you did not like. <laughs> so well, I won't even say that I've never seen a Marvel movie. Oh, okay. oh, oh, my, never. oh my goodness. That's all right. Uh, you're forgiven for all that because you reintroduced the world to Jasper. So you're good. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, no, I got Jasper. That's right. You I'd got like Jasper see, out there. I'd like to see a, another recap of that uh, the, the next time we visit. Oh, yeah, totally, yes. man. You should say I auditioned with uh, Michael Douglas, an American president. I gave that speech speech at the end did you really that's what i auditioned for yeah that's, that's what i got that's jasper that's from that <laughs> and i nailed that speech <laughs> oh man thanks so oh, much man. man this has been a blast it really has. really nice to it meet really you guys is. thank you for asking me i really appreciate uh, it of course and, uh, i hope to talk to you again soon yes yes thank you so much you go enjoy take the man. rest of the day and we'll be talking Likewise. to you soon yep come in all right take, take care bye-bye, bye-bye. Oh my goodness. Wow. I don't even like <laughs> I literally almost cried. I'm I not know. Lying. I like, know. Oh, you did. That was an amazing conversation. I really was and just I mean he just exudes passion. He you does. can tell this is a guy that just loves what he does and even right there at the end his goal is to create a safe space for these people who who like he said, put themselves out there every day, you know, and expose themselves with the vulnerability. And so I, I just love that. That man. was so just, good. Mm. And this is literally the first person ever, guys, that has done this much research on us <laughs> before coming on this show. I about shit when he said Jasper. I know. I was I'm like, like wait, wait, what's he what? talking about? I was so confused there for a second. And then, yeah, like, and then, oh, my goodness yeah that's awesome it was such a great show man such a great interview thank you again john for coming on the show (laughs) all right what's up guys how you doing you guys good you guys good after that interview is she a mexican yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah right like can't even say that anymore you can't even say that anymore you can't but uh it's time for the top five you guys know we're super but i just did you did i don't know yeah i know twice in one show basically twice in one show i can't help it yeah, My about movie. that. All right. Um, it is top five stoner films this week. Ooh. I mean, there's so many good ones out there, of course. All a lot to do with comedy. There's like one in yours that's not really comedy. Yeah, it's kind of serious. It's kind of serious. But, I mean, there's so many classics, of course. So you guys know we have to go with it. Uh, number five for me is Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. I mean, of course. What the fuck? Everybody knows that I'm a huge <laughs> Kevin Smith fan. Basically, what? anything and everything. I, yeah, my Funkos <laughs> are Kevin Smith. You see Jay and Silent Bob and just Kevin Smith. You see see it so yes if you're watching the youtube channel but yeah jay and silent bob strike back honestly one of my favorite kevin smith films especially when it has to do with jay and silent bob uh i just think it was absolutely brilliant especially having mark hamill in it like come on now bringing everybody back i thought absolutely hysterical but 
Yeah, that's my number five, right? There you go. My number five is the only serious one on the list, but was humorous at points, did have some 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 comedic elements every now and then. I am of course talking about the Peter Fonda uh just like brilliance of film um with Dennis Hopper and the one and only Jack Nicholson, of course, Easy Rider. Yes. Where they take the stroll across the country. Yes. And they're pretty much fucked up and high. The entire time. The entire time. Um, but it's a brilliant film. <laughs> it's a self-discovery tour. Um, and which most of the time when you're high, it is a self-discovery tour, is it not? Like I feel like that's where we go every time you get high. Yeah, seriously. Um, but it's a great film, guys. I mean, honestly, it's a cinematic masterpiece. It's a true filmmaker's film. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. Yes. Easy Rider. Easy Rider. All right, going to my number four of our top five stoner films, it goes to Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Because mm. we all know what coincides with weed is the munchies. <laughs> so we all need that specific food at that time to get us over that hump. And it's just so funny, John Chow and Cal Penn. Cal Penn basically was fucking working for Obama. Like, that's insane to me. And now it's came back to the entertainment industry, which is awesome. But, I mean, of course, you had uh, Neil Patrick Harris in this yes. thing, too. He was – it's such a random role when he pops up. Uh, Anthony Anderson, love him as well. But it's just funny, man. All of these stoner films are just good, feel-good movies that just make you laugh. Agreed. Yeah. And, okay, so my number four, you know me. I'm an 80s guy. There was no way this one was not being on my list. The epitome of 80s stoner films, Fast Times at Ridgemount High. I I mean, come on, guys. Sean Penn. Like, every stoner ever models themselves after after Sean Penn's performance in that film. I, I, I. he was the epitome of what a total stoned out guy should be. Like, just, I mean, it was, and then, I mean, Judge Reinhold, Phoebe Cates, like, just like so many amazing people in this film. And, and yeah, I'm sorry, but it, it, you'll never, Shia LaBeouf did a fantastic job in the live read. And by the way, I'm pretty convinced he was literally, totally, stoned. literally stoned doing it. Oh. Oh, I mean, without doubt, he was totally stoned doing it. But it's a brilliant fucking film. The live read was brilliant. If you haven't seen this masterpiece, please see this masterpiece. It's Jeff Spicoli is the epitome of a stoner, right? Like, from start to finish, man. Exactly, exactly. Well, talking about epitome of stoners, I mean, these two guys in the one and only movie, How High, Method Man and Red Man, Wu Tang Clan Strikes Again. Ah, <laughs> uh, this this one is just absolutely hilarious i mean going to harvard and getting everybody fucked up it's just absolutely hilarious like i said uh this is one that when you went back on like your apple itunes account and you bought movies i bought this movie i had it for like plane rides and shit which is hilarious because i always like notice people peeking around my shoulder shoulder and like (laughs) watching it with me i'm like what's up bro are you like a inside stoner like what's going on but it's just it's phenomenal i love every second of method man and red man method man is a highly underrated actor to be honest that's somebody i should have brought up with john yeah i mean this guy has been in like the power series obviously this one um like i said just super 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 underrated so yes number three for mine is how high uh yeah that's a good one now my number three well they're the original 
stoners. They're the ones everybody comes after because these are the guys. Their entire life has been nothing but being stoned and being famous for being stoned. I'm, of course, talking about Cheech and Chong. Yes. <laughs> they, they're they never not stoned. Like, Cheech and Chong are the epitome of stoners. Like, this is where it all started, where it all comes from. And my number three is obviously Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Yeah. Where the entire movie, they are up in smoke and fucked up the entire movie. Like, it, guys, Cheech and Chong had, like, a series of films that were just them fucked up yeah and and like this is the epitome you know the up and smoke i feel is like the best of them but you can pick any of them and it's the classic stoner film right i mean chicha chong they're chicha chong (laughs) that's all you can say yeah man that's all you can do i mean like come on come on exactly my number two goes to pineapple express which kind of Mm. reinvented stoner films kudos to seth rogan uh obviously james franco was in that that's the douchebag one not dave uh (laughs) if you listen to last week's show um but i mean like i said it kind of reinvented the stoner film genre a little bit seth rogan just completely took this and just like ran with it made an epic career and that's where a lot of people got introduced to seth rogan um you know, not a lot of people saw like Knocked Up or uh, Freaks and Geeks or anything like that. But his writing is absolutely phenomenal. He's uh, more known for his writing now than his acting ability, which he's a phenomenal actor as well. But like I said, uh, Pineapple Express, there were so many like epic people attached to this thing too that everybody should just go watch it right now after the show. Yes. 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 My number two, another, I mean, in my opinion, classic stoner film. Like, two guys, always stoned, just living life, watching it pass by, making observations, kind of seeing the deal, how's it going down in in the hood, right? They're totally just living life in the hood, fucked up. I'm talking about Friday. Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, like, it's like one of the most hilarious films I've ever seen in my life. Um, Just like, knocked off. Fuck out! Like, I mean, there's so many famous lines in that film and so, so many, many... So many quotables. I, like, I mean... How are you going to get fired on your day off? Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. There's so many. So many... And, and again, Ice Cube. Yeah. Phenomenal actor, guys. I mean, this guy's done everything. Drama, comedy. Like, he's all over the map and just an outstanding actor that I don't think gets nearly enough credit either. So oh, yeah, and writer. He wrote, yeah. he wrote the Friday franchise. He did. And, like, so many others. So everybody should go check those out. Yes. I'm just saying. He's going to cry in the car. Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> um, number one for me is my definition of a stoner flick. It's literally kind of in the name. And put a legendary actor... Oh, I don't know if you'd call him legendary, but he's pretty awesome. Um, Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. I mean, it made him legendary. Literally. I mean. It really did. I I mean, so many quotables from this one as well. Um, It had one of the twins in it. Fucking, I forget their name, his name at the moment. But there's so many, like, going back to the 70s and, like, thinking about that life in high school. Teenage angst. Everybody knows. I love the teenage angst. Uh, Just trying to figure out what you're going to do next in life because, I mean, that's kind of what we do on a daily freaking basis. But when you put it in a teenage film, it makes it all that much better, especially when you put some weed in there. So, yeah, number one for me goes to Dazed and Confused. Thankfully, they didn't hang around J-Lo because, as we found out earlier in the show, he'd have turned them in. Yeah. 
He had a law of a law. You're breaking uh, the law. I'm turning you. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> My number one is the dude himself, the big Lebowski, of course, Jeff Bridges and John Goodman. It's a case of mistaken identity when Lebowski is confused for the millionaire Lebowski the by dude. two thugs who piss on his rug, and all Lebowski wants is some restitution. He wants his rug paid for. And it turns into a fucking fiasco where his bowling buddies all help him out, trying to get his money back for his rug, and like he's got everybody chasing him. Fucking thugs, Russians, everybody. And It's got to be one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And the epitome of, I think it's probably, in all doubt, Jeff Bridges' best role. I mean, the dude will forever be the dude. For sure. And um, I love John Goodman. As a fucking, like, you know, converted Jew hitman, basically. Yeah, right. I mean, he's <laughs> fucking hilarious in it. It's a great film, guys. If you have not seen The Big Lebowski, what the fuck? Right, my introduction to White Russians. Right yes, there. yes, White Russians. So freaking good, so freaking good. Uh, well, we guys, or you guys know <laughs> that you have a freaking stoner number one film. We want to know about it. Please sure right. to comment below in the comment section or add us on social media are you high right now we want to know so thank you we appreciate it <laughs> i know a lot of our listeners are don't lie probably don't lie probably. I, we we see your twitter feeds yeah we exactly. see how often you mention weed and edibles don't lie don't lie don't do it <laughs> uh now heading over to the box office recap like we talked about earlier in the show phenomenal week for disney shang chi and the legend of the ten rings brought in 94.6 million dollars well deserved Number two was Candyman. Still want to go see this one mm-hmm. with twelve and a half million. Free Guy came in at number three with eleven point two million. Paw Patrol the movie came in at number four with five point three million. And Jungle Cruise still hanging in there, cruising along with five million at the fifth spot. So that's freaking awesome. Yes, Dude. guys, you heard that right. Three out of the top five Disney facts. And Black Widow's still in the top ten. Yeah. So and had it had the forty five days, it would still be in the top five. I'm just saying. Just There's saying. no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, new movies that are coming out uh, this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that you can go see right now. Um, Malignant. Please go see it because apparently nobody is. <laughs> nobody is. It doesn't look interesting. Uh, the Card Counter, uh, Queen's Pins, uh, The Amplance, and the Show Me the Father. Show Me the Father! No, it's not that. No, it's uh, not that. Movies you can still go see. Shang-Chi, The <laughs> Protégé. It's not Kuma uh, um, Respect. Old and the Suicide Squad. There's some good stuff out right now, guys. Yeah, man. So be sure to head to your local theater and support the entertainment industry. Do it. Now heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. You guys know what it is. It's all about the Bible. Be sure to subscribe to the Bible. It's worth the $20 a month, especially when you're an up-and-comer trying to break into the entertainment industry because all the knowledge you need is right there. Or a legendary established casting director who referred to it in our interview. <laughs> Yeah. Like, everybody uses it, guys. Everybody uses it. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Uh, no, by no surprise, the top trending uh, movie is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Phenomenal. Go see it. Uh, top trending show is Clickbait mm, with Vinnie our boy Adrian. Yeah. yeah Vin- he's a killer. Or is he? Or is he? We don't know. I know. It's very, very you thrilling. You click to find out. I'm so excited <laughs> to watch that one. Me too. And by no surprise, mm. the top trending star is uh, the legendary Ed Asner. Mm. Which, of course, because of his passing, uh, always be remembered forever and always. 
well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 174 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. we got to thank our guest one more time, John Papsidera, for coming on the show. He's not on social media, so you can't follow him. You can't, <laughs> you can't do, do it. it. But you, you can follow it. us on social media. And we'll share all the goodness of John. All of it. All of it. You guys know you can follow the podcast at ItCap Podcast everywhere. The company at Crazy Ant Media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and Crazy Ant Guy 1970. Yes, sir. And you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. That is more. the first time you had a little hiccup there. I know. You normally just whip that off with like absolutely no problem at all. I know. I had to double take. I was like, wait, what? Like, hold on. Uh, is he good? <laughs> is he good? It's, it, it might be edibles. It's the top five. <laughs> we don't know. It's the top five. Uh, you guys know we have a YouTube channel. Put all of our content out there right now. So be sure to like this video that you're watching. Subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications that we have coming to you because you know that they're crazy uh and of course be sure to visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear crazy ant media gear everywhere guys it's everywhere <laughs> i felt like i was landing a plane right and you guys know if you're following us you know when promotional sales are happening yes we're everywhere and we have to also thank our new interns that are coming on yes. board, Delana and Jessica. Oh, my goodness. They're going to be taking over next week, guys. That's right. They're going to be taking over the social media and allowing us more time to do film stuff and, and the television stuff. And we are so thankful to have these young ladies on board, both actors themselves, just getting started in their careers. So make sure you follow them. Um, uh, yeah, it, I'm pumped to have them join the team, man. Agreed, agreed. But, man, it was a phenomenal freaking episode. We had so much fun. Of course, the interview. I mean, it's hard to top that interview. It was like nothing compares to it, in my opinion. It was so damn fun, so informative, talking about some like A-list actors with A-list content, with an A-list director, with an A-list casting director, like – it really humbled me, and especially with him being so like up there and notable that he was also still very humble and did his research on us. Like That really hit home and made me feel special. It did. It did. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, it was somebody of his stature to even take the time to inform himself about us who are – I mean, we're working hard, but we're not there yet, right? And so for him to take that time – you know, and, and be able to give us some shout outs and, and, and you know, talk about our accolades. That's awesome. Agreed. And uh, I mean, kudos. Thank you so much, sir, for doing that. That was awesome. Exactly. But of course, I mean, talking about Shang-Chi and the Eternals, I'm happy the Eternals are going to get a theatrical release. And with Shang-Chi being so popular at the box office and on all over the feeds and social media, it gives me more hope for the Eternals, introducing Marvel introducing new characters with new storylines that will be different because this wasn't the typical origin story we have seen before in the past with the Big Six. So I'm excited. And Kindra introduced the really far out fantasy side of the Marvel universe, right? So that does definitely give hope for the Eternals. Um, I mean, I love all the superhero stuff. I love always talking about that. But I'm going to reiterate again and again and again. Chappic, do the fucking right thing. Yep. 
end the fucking lawsuit and give Scarlett Johansson the money. Just saying. She would have banked off of it had it been allowed to be in the fucking theaters. You know it. She knows it. The fans know it. The fucking theater chain owners own know it. Everybody knows it. Just do the fucking right thing. Mm-hmm. If you want to save your fucking face at Disney and keep moving forward as CEO, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. <laughs> Just like Dude, Spike Lee said. That's right. You know, like Spike Lee says, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Oh, my goodness. You know who always does the right thing? Every single time. <laughs> Oprah! Oprah!